five. Now this is most important, Rat. It comes down to making out whenever possible. Put on side one of Rock All Over You Podcast! Let's rock! Eric and Edwin! Edwin and Eric! They don't give a fuck! They just want you to rock! Yeah! Bam 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 dilly dee! Bam bam bam! Oh yeah, tits and clits. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Rock All Over You podcast. And with me, as always, Mr. Edwin Castrachi. Edwin, how are you? Oh, uh, man. Sorry. I blew it. We were sp- <laughs> I was going to be drinking a lot of whiskey on this episode, because it is the St. Patrick's Day, Thin Lizzy, Top 25 episode. But uh, last night, I did a lot of heavy drinking. Which God led damn. to some heavier drinking, which led to a fucking monster hangover. <laughs> so I'm very hungover. And <clears throat> I don't normally get hungover. You know, I, I know I made that Gordon Lightfoot hangover video. But, you know, I was kind of just like joking around. I don't really get hangovers, but fuck it. I got one today. Um, I'm a bitch. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty, it was some savage drinking last night. I shouldn't have done it. I overdid yeah, it. I knew you? I had this podcast to do the next day. <laughs> so I apologize. It won't happen again, sir. But there is still some whiskey in my bloodstream. <laughs> there is Man, still... how hard did you go last night? My God. I was drinking a lot. And there, there's some old guy at the bar that started buying me drinks. And, you know, uh, it wasn't anything funny like that. It was on the level. Just, just like the company, and and you know, before you know, it, especially when people buy me drinks, oh, that's when that's when I usually get into trouble, you know, because like myself, yeah. I got everything kind of planned, like okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drink this much, and I pace myself according to how much I know I'm spending on myself, you know I'm what I mean? Way. Yeah, but when but when people come and they they throw in like shots or like they buy you an extra round, that kind of throws off the whole <laughs> my whole system. It's tough because you don't want to be you don't want to be rude, but it's like oh man, like I shouldn't like I'm like shouldn't be going this fast, or I'm gonna be I'm gonna be donezo in a, in a few yeah. minutes if I keep going at this rate. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be rude. Plus, I don't know. I have this. It's a thing that it's a hangover from when I was like young and poor. It's yeah. like I just like I can't. It's impossible to turn down a free drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though I know I don't. Want, it's like oh, it's a free drink. I gotta take it. <laughs> well, I, I'm drinking, but I mean, uh, I'm drinking, but, you know, I, I didn't get whiskey because when I went to buy alcohol, because I only get paid bi-weekly, so I bought my alcohol for, you know, the week. Um, I I was still thinking we were doing the Judas Priest episode because for whatever reason, I got them swapped on my on my calendar. I had them mixed up, so I thought we were doing the Judas Priest episode, and then I found out, no, this week is the Thin Lizzy episode. And then the next recording session will be Jews Priest. So I didn't buy whiskey. I just bought my usual. I bought my Molson, and then I bought my my Cayman Jacks. Because I, I usually swap between the two. I'll have my beer, or if I got like a headache and I need something sweeter on the day we're recording, I'll drink some. I'll drink like the Cayman Jacks. Gets a little bit sweeter and goes down a little bit easier. But uh, uh, wait a minute, Edwin. I think uh, I think a gentleman just joined us. Uh, some. Uh, a really nice-looking Jewish man with an Iron Man T-shirt is here. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> it's fucking Stephen Kirsch. <laughs> Stephen Kirsch, how are hey. you, brother? 
Shalom, everybody. Good afternoon, <laughs> ladies. How you doing? You're oh, fucking man. good, Lassie. You heard how Edwin's doing. <laughs> He's on life support right now. Yeah. I know. yeah. This might bring me back to life, though. That's the thing. Though. The power of Thin Lizzy and their awesome music will hopefully bring me back to life. So I, how, I'm, re- I'm ready for a big love fest. After, oh, after, yeah. After, yeah. After my, my last appearance where... Oh, God. A little, little um, you know... Little on the, I was a little on the defensive and then on the attack, and uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, this will be a little that. bit more relaxed. Yeah, yeah, those... yeah. Spoiler alert: We all love Thin Lizzy, so yep. not going to be any arguing really on this one. Whereas, uh, if you guys haven't checked out uh, the, the episode that Stephen Kirsch is uh, referring to, is back when it was the show was the Metal Dungeon, and if I am I correct, wasn't that a crossover of Mark's show? crossover with Freeform Rock Podcast and if you actually want to hear those Iron Man songs, if you're like Stephen Kirsch and you enjoy those new Iron Man songs you can listen to the Freeform Podcast version because they put some of the songs on there. Was that if like a three hour episode because of those It's probably like a four hour episode <laughs> because of that. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, Stephen was like, he was like kind of the odd man out, like we were all just hissing all over this new uh, Iron Maiden, the la- latest Iron Maiden album, Satishu. Or whatever it's called, uh, the, the one with the samurai attic, that that one, and so. But you know, Stephen was a sport about it, and you know, he he had his dukes up, he, he put in a good fight, you know. But yeah. but this will be easier, much easier on you, Stephen. He was he was yeah, up in, he was up in those irons up our ass, man. <laughs> oh yeah, he was like back off, man. I I, w- I was made for this uh, today's podcast. This is what I've been waiting for all my life, so we're, we're good to go. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah, it's funny because uh, what, what's that song, the really long song that you and Ralph love from that? Death of Iron the Celts. <laughs> yeah, Death of the Celts. Yeah. But if I recall, I remember saying this is like Thin Lizzy, except for like not not good. But <laughs> but now but now Thin Lizzy is like Thin Lizzy, but good. <laughs> so. Nah. <laughs> should be it should be easy. Uh, so uh, before we get into the episode, though, um, Erica, don't we, we we're finally going to talk about some of these iTunes reviews that we've been late on. Oh my God, yeah. So we, I got so drunk the last episode, and we were going to do it at the end of the episode, uh, but we just got so drunk, and it was just so much fun that last episode that I ended up forgetting that. Oh yeah, we we got iTunes reviews, and we got a ton of them, man. So. I definitely want to give shout-outs, because anytime, man, someone leaves a review on there, man, I, I gotta read it. Even if it's a bad review, if you leave a bad review, I'm still gonna read it and we'll, we'll make fun of it. But, uh, yeah, so, Mr. Mark Alden Taylor, who we were talking about Freeform Rock Podcast just a second ago, he left us a five-star review, and he said simply, if you like debauchery and mom jokes and real rock and roll, this is your podcast! Exclamation point, exclamation point. So thank you, Mark, for that review. Oh. Apparently, Mark had a hell of a time trying to get his review up. He had uh, he had to keep editing it because I guess iTunes uh, kept like taking down his review for it being made not appropriate or whatnot. But Mark, we thank you for that review. Great supporter of the show. Yeah. Also, if you want to, ch- uh, there's an episode. He also he does a lot of things. He does the freeform podcast, but he also has a YouTube channel where he does the uh, Mark and Jerry bullshit sessions. Yep. And Eric and me both, um, Eric's been on it a few times, but, uh, I was only on it one time so far, but Eric and me are both on an episode of that, so if you want to go on YouTube and see us have a good conversation with, uh, Mark, uh, definitely check out his bullshit yeah. sessions. I believe yeah. it's, 
I believe they're on YouTube under Rat Salad Reviews. I guess they're they're working with uh, Rat Salad Reviews now. So yeah, okay. definitely check it out. Yeah, that was that was a fun episode. I had a lot of fun recording that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again, and we're gonna yeah. get Mark on the show as well. You know, he's you know he's a great he's a great supporter of uh, what we're doing, and we support what he's doing, and he's part of the family. He's part of the even though he originally was a nemesis <laughs> to the RCP he's, army, he joins he flips sides. It's awesome. He's like a yeah. shadow in GI Joe. He flips sides. He joined the good guys. So. Yeah, hell yeah. So way to go, Mark. Thank you. And then the next one is from a really awesome listener of the show, really good friend of mine, Mr. Jimmy James 97, which we all know, Jimmy James Schwartz. And he gave us a none other than a five, five, count them, five-star review. It says, grade A rock and roll banner. How could I give this show anything but five stars? Trick question, I can't. It deserves 10, but Apple only lets me leave 5. Well, someone write a complaint to Apple about that. In all honesty, words can't fully express how much I appreciate Edwin and Eric. Talking about music is a great release from the day-to-day grind. Listening to the show is like sitting with a couple old friends, having a few drinks, and talking about amazing rock and roll music. Do yourself a favor and hit subscribe. Download a few episodes and join the conversation. Well, hell yeah, Jimmy James, I thank you so much for that review, put a lot of effort into it, you know, wrote a lot of words, you know, that probably took a lot of time there, so Jimmy James, thank you so much, brother, appreciate it. Thank you, Jimmy James, you're awesome, he's another awesome member of the RMCP Army, and always been a a great friend to me, and he hooked me up with finals, too, some rare vinyls. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, he's an awesome guy, I love Jimmy James, so thanks a lot. I remember too. Before I get into the next review, I was upset because uh, he li- he used to live where you know real close to where I live nowadays. I believe he was in South Bend, Indiana, okay, and uh, somewhere close by there. And uh, I, you know, that's, I'm in Goshen, which is very close by. Um, fortunately, he moved, so I was like, oh man, you know, I, thought I had a buddy that lived close by I could go catch shows with. Well, but, maybe uh, he'll do rock and pod, you know. Oh uh, yeah, next year. yeah, yeah. But, uh, all right, we got two more reviews. We got one from Chess Playing Fanatic, a five-star review titled Rockin' Podcast. Love it, love it, love it. Great podcast. Always enjoyable listening to these guys. Even though they completely blew picking the best Kiss song, it's Black Diamond, not Rocket Ride. I'll overlook that. Keep up the great work, guys, and continue choosing interesting topics. Stay frosty and listen to Black Sabbath. <laughs> Thank you, Chess Plank Fanatic. Uh, judging from the ending, you're either a you either are Ralph Vieira or a fan of Ralph Vieira. But either way, thank you so much for the review. And uh, regarding the Kiss song, that's from the Kiss Royal Rumble episode that I did when this podcast was still the Metal Dungeon. Uh, me and Edwin do plan on. Uh, redoing that episode in the future uh we won't be removing the old one it's just you know we feel like redoing it under the rock all over you podcast name um so yeah stay tuned for that so maybe we will end up picking black diamond who knows i i I suspect i think that's uh did mark daly leave a review yet i'm not sure i'll have to ask him because mark daly is a big fan of the show and he's always active on the Facebook page. He's a yeah. great fan of the show. Yeah, and he he has given us shit before about 
are number one. What won the the Kismet Rumble? So yeah. I, I, I'm so I'm betting it's him. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Mark yeah. Daly. If that's you, let us know, brother. Let us know, and thank you, whoever it is, mystery chess playing person. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and our last review from Matler CT.75. He says, RMCP Family Grows, and it's a five-star review. Another awesome extension of the RMCP Army. Edwin and Eric are two awesome dudes that tell it straight when it comes to music news and reviews. Maybe have the young kids in another room listening and be ready for a hell ride on every episode of the Rock All Over You podcast. Like a pure north facial that never ends. Matt W., and I think I know who that is, Mr. Matt Weller's dick. I love that fucking name, man. Matt, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate the five-star review, and uh, that's it for iTunes reviews, and uh, keep them coming, everyone. Just, uh, yeah, even before, like, you know, even when you send it, take a screenshot and send it to me, and I'll read it, because sometimes iTunes can be a pain in the ass when it comes to, you know, posting these reviews. Like I said, Mark had... Mark went, was trying for weeks to post his, and he kept having to edit it. So, so that's a screenshot, you know, so if it doesn't show up on the page, we can still read it for you. Yeah, sounds good, sounds good. And thanks again. And, uh, you know, we, we normally don't discuss news, but the, I know there was a couple things. Uh, one thing in particular you did want to talk about, and I figured uh, before we get into this Thin Lizzy Top 25 list, we uh, we can you know, we'll, we'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll humor you, Eric, and we can talk some news. All right, all right. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, before we get, obviously there's one big thing I want to talk about, but maybe we'll save that because it's, you know, I may may just go on for a few minutes about that, not too long, but uh, I guess we start with uh, uh, recently Scott Rockenfield uh, sent out a tweet about uh, Todd Latore, uh, some more more Queensryche drama. It's that band, I swear, it's a contest between them and Rat over which band is more dysfunctional. Uh, Edwin, did, Edwin, Stephen, did you guys see that tweet at all, and what are, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, yeah. What do you think, Stephen? <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I'm not a big, big I like early Queen's rank, you know, um, yep. so much uh, lately, but um, this kind of stuff, even with Rat and this band fighting with ex-members, it's so, oh my god, it's like high school stuff, it's like, you know. Real Housewives of Metal. Yeah, yeah, exactly, I, I think I posted, I think I replied <laughs> on a comment and I said, if, if uh, the New Jersey Housewives was a rock band, it would be Queen's rank, you know, and um, the I don't know, it's enough already. No one really cares, you know what I mean? Just put out your music and shut the hell up. It's just, it's stupid. And there's so much, there's so much behind the scenes that we don't know what's going on about. And This has been going on for ages. I mean, now, if you, look, if you like Jeff Tate and you like uh, Toddler Tour stuff and whatever, you just listen to it all. And Scott Rockenfield, he's, he's been MIA for a while, hasn't he? Like, yeah. So there's something weird going on with him as well, and I think maybe he's just pissed off with everything and he's just latching out but it just i think it it it's um it just cheapens the name really the brand or whatever you want to put mm-hmm. it it's just i don't know i mean i read it because of course it's drama and we like drama but yeah but it, it's just stupid i mean you laugh when you read it it's just like come on guys you know you're in your 60s already put it out so that, it, it, that, that's my view on it <laughs> what did he say exactly? Because I did see the headline, actually, but I didn't actually click on the, the news story. Actually, I got the tweet, the screenshot of it right here, so I'll, uh, I'll just read it for everyone that hasn't seen it yet. Um, yeah. uh, Scott Rockfield, I believe, was on Twitter. He's like, just a little bit for clarity here. 
subject Todd Latore, and in parentheses he put subcontractor for Queensryche. So, you know, kind of throwing some, as a young kid say, he was throwing some shade right there. Yeah, uh, but he said, shade. yeah, but he said topic for the record, let me know that any and all opinions, viewpoints, statements, and or comments, ETC, that continue to be presented by Mr. Latore, whether it be past, present, and or future, are in no way to be considered as representing the expressed beliefs, opinions, and or viewpoints of any of the Queensryche brands, trademarks, and or various Queensryche uh, corporations that have been in place for over 40 years, period. Uh, and, uh, you know... Was this coming... I mean, did Todd say something on Twitter or something? Or, I mean, do you know why this happened? I don't know exactly, but I think it was Todd was uh, selling some... Uh, I think he was selling certain merchandise or something, oh, like Bandu's okay. merchandise. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and, uh, but the thing is, I mean, Scott Rockenfield, and yeah, I love Scott Rockenfield's bit, drummer. He's been MIA for so long. He, for a very long time. He yeah. took some time off originally when they're recording, trying to record the verdict, because he, you know, for paternity leave, you know, his wife just had a baby, and, uh, so the band was cool with it, but then he just kind of, from what I hear, he just kind of stopped returning everyone's calls, and he just kind of ghosted everyone. And they're just like, well, fuck it, we're not going to wait. If you're not going to even, like, talk to us and, you know, or let us know what's going on, we're just going to go on and continue without you. And, you know, Todd Latore did the drums for that album. He's actually a very phenomenal drummer. Um, And they put out the album. They've just been touring without Scott. And now all of a sudden Scott's coming out of the blue and, you know, acting, like, all, you know, pissed off about everything. I'll just say this, man, you know, it's... Queensryche, like I said, very dysfunctional band, but uh, I'll tell you what, man, Todd Latore, I think, I still say he saved Queensryche. He, <laughs> you know, after, you know, after the 80s, Queensryche kind of got weird. They started abandoning the metal sound and just got a little too experimental for my liking, and maybe people like those albums. Hey, that's cool if you do, but uh, I didn't care for it. I felt they kind of lost who they were, and I feel Todd Latore coming to the band really... You know, he brought new life to them, and I love those three Todd Latore albums um, that he did with them. They're phenomenal. If you like old school Queensryche, like 80s Queensryche, definitely check those albums out because they're phenomenal. I just felt like, you know, it's kind of a slam on a guy that really kind of, you know, he he really brought like some new life to the band and brought some new blood to it, you know, so. I don't yeah. know, it's just, it's stupid. Yeah, if, if he wants to make some money off the t-shirts, I mean, he is the singer of the band now. Yeah. And, and like you said, I agree. I think he uh, gave them a shot in the arm, made them a, a metal band again. Yeah. And and I, yeah, that last, I especially like the last album they did, the Verdict, I felt it was a really Verdict. good album. Yeah, I felt that was a really good album. Probably, yeah, it's a, easily their best album, I'd say, post-Empire. Easily. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, so I, yeah, I cut the guy some slack, you know. But obviously, that you know, there might be behind the scenes shit that we don't, that we're not pre- privy to, you know. That's the thing. Yeah, so and uh, also too, I mean, you guys heard the new Scorpions album? I have not actually listened to it yet. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I've heard the singles from it. Um, I know a lot of people are excited about it, so, you know, I don't want to write... I mean, like, I wasn't as crazy about the singles as everyone else was. I mean, Me I thought, I thought it, they, it was all right. It wasn't anything bad. It definitely sounded better than pretty much everything they were doing, like, post maybe, like, the mid-80s, you know? But, you know, that's not saying much, because I'm not really a big fan of a lot of later Scorpions, to be honest. Same. So, uh, so yeah, so, you know, and I know Mickey D's you know, drumming, and he's one of my favorite drummers, but, 
it, so it was nice to hear him drumming. He did. He made the band definitely sound beefier, more like a heavy metal band again. And of course, that album cover is really cool, very retro, early yeah. kind of classic, classic Scorpions album cover. So I do like that, and I am going to listen to it. So I just haven't gotten. I had kind of a busy past couple of weeks, but uh, <laughs> and I had to be listening to a lot of Thin Lizzy for this episode. Same. So I did listen to the Scorpions, but I am going to listen to it. So what what do you think of it, Eric? Oh man, I it blew me away. Okay. Um, I, and I was like you. I didn't. Single. I was like you though. I didn't like the singles. I think uh, the singles were very much like the stuff they've been putting out, where it's just it, it's missing something. It's very stale. It's missing the balls of the you know the early '80s stuff, which I felt was their best. Yeah. You know, and uh, so I was a little worried, but you know, I saw the cover. I thought the cover looked cool, and I heard everyone saying good things about. It, gave it a chance, and. Uh, it's phenomenal, man. I mean, there are some songs that are kind of like maybe a little light in the loafers, a little bit like later Scorpions that I don't like, but there's a lot of songs on there that are just reminiscent of like, you know, Blackout or, you know, Love It First, you know, Love It First Sting, Love Drive, you know, Animal Magnetism. You know, there's one song on there that sounds a hell of a lot like China White, so it, it's yeah. a great fucking album. And even the, I love the cover because it's like a throwback. It's that weird 80s, like, you know, that weird European-looking cover, you know. I, I love it, man. I think it's worth checking out, and I'm, I, I love it so much, man. I'm, I'm hoping they uh, hoping they plan an American tour again, because I will definitely buy tickets to see Scorpions if they come to come anywhere close to me. So, Stephen, what did you think of the new album? Have you heard it yet? Um, yeah, I, I, I got it. Um, I've listened to, no, I listened to about half of it. I heard the singles first, and... I didn't like them at all. I just couldn't get into them, and I can't yeah. even rem- I can't even remember them quite honestly. And I've listened to them, so uh, I did play the album a couple of times. Honestly, I, I can't remember one song. But <laughs> after what you've said, you know, as it, as, as I get older, it takes me a little longer to get into stuff. Um, yeah. I, as as uh, you know, listening to what you guys have well, what you said, uh, Eric, I, I'm definitely going to listen to it again because. I'm not like a massive Scorps fan, but I do like them, you know, and I, yeah. and I enjoy, I, you know, I like a, some of the later albums, not, you know, Unbreakable, I thought was a great album, and, um, you know, this got, they've definitely had some shitty stuff, I like Savage Amusement, uh, obviously all the earlier stuff, the classics, I, I enjoy some of the last album, uh, what was it, Sting in the Tail, I, I believe so, yeah, and, you know, I definitely like some of that, I, he tends to put a lot of balance in these days, and that, that's yeah, yeah, I don't like that at all. I don't like that. Yeah, I feel a lot like, like trying. Yeah, I feel they're trying too hard to to get in the charts or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To get the hits. But uh, you know, after listen, after what you just said, Eric, I'm definitely gonna you know listen to it uh, you know quite a bit and give it a few, give it a few more listens to, and hopefully it'll kind of click. Which it tends to what happens. It just tend that tends to to happen to me is I might not like something right away and. I kind of stick with it because I know I like the Scorpions. I know I like the sound, but, you know, I just got to give it a few more listens and, and hopefully I'll dig it. Yeah, I recall uh, you even said that about Iron Maiden. You have to listen to, uh, to when it's a new album, you usually have to listen to it. A well, few Iron Maiden's a whole, whole different thing because it's so complicated. The music, yeah. I mean, but I mean, even just just regular bands I like, you know, yeah. I, very there's very few bands that I put something on and then immediately I'm like, this is amazing. I, I have to, you know, there's a few bands that I can do that with. But other stuff, I really have to, you know, put on a... Luckily, uh, with what I do, like the work or whatever, I'm actually either in the car a lot or I'm, yeah. I walk my dogs a lot. And I'm, I constantly listen to music. Oops. <laughs> 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 so I, my watch. 
<laughs> Your watch is talking to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, um, yeah, so I do get a chance to listen to music quite a lot, and um, I'm definitely going to give it another chance, but... Uh, yeah, I like to I, I call myself a, a casual Scorpions fan. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Do, I do love those three albums they did in a row. I love uh, Love Drive, Animal Magnetism, which is actually my favorite. That's and mine, then, too. Yeah, and then Blackout. Those three albums in a row are awesome albums. Uh, but you know I, what? You I think the problem is when you when you're talking about bands that we've loved for years, um, whenever they bring out new stuff now, you you know you think, oh, is it as good as Animal, Ma- you know, uh, Animal Magnetism or, or as a high standard to live up to? Yeah, exactly. And also, we've lived with those albums for 30, 40 years. They're, they're ingrained in us, so it's very difficult. You know, going on to, if Thin Lizzy brought a new album out now, you know, if Phil was still alive, I'd be like, of course I'd love it, but I'd, I'd also be it's like, it's gonna take well, time to grow. Yeah, exactly, and it's with any any band, everybody automatically goes, well, it's not as good as the one they did in you know 1985, and you know, just we all change, our musical ideas change, everything, so it's difficult to listen to. Not difficult, it just takes a little while for stuff to. To sink in, you know. There, yeah, there there are a few exceptions. I said, like I I feel like like immediately Judas Priest's Firepower was like yeah, that was a great I, album. Yeah, as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, this is actually on par with a lot of their classic. Yeah, stuff. that's de- that's definitely an album I would put in that. Album. Yeah, I also put ACDC's Power Up and, oh, and the Blue Oyster Cults, uh, the Symbol Remains. Like there are a few albums where I think, oh, they're being like competitive. F- after a period of maybe not being so competitive with their best stuff, I feel like a couple of these older bands have kind of stepped up their game a little bit and put out like some modern day classics. I know, in my opinion, yeah. Rat Infestation, I remember that one grabbed me right away. That was a good, yeah, that's a good that one. Was a good one, yeah, that was a good one. That was, I think, easily their best album <laughs> after Invasion. Well, well, you know what? I'm gonna hold back on. Yeah, because, we got because a rat review coming we're, up. We're in actually the gonna review, uh, you know, uh, Dancing Undercover. So I, I won't say what I think of that album. There but. you go, Mark Daly. That's the album we're reviewing. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He's been yeah. dying, he keeps bugging me about what what album is it, man? What album? <laughs> uh, I think Dancing Undercover is definitely a cool album too. I think uh, so. Review. It's a good one to review because it's not one. It does. It doesn't have like big hits on there. So I think that's a great cool one to review. Yeah. And on two, like before we jump on to the next thing, is uh, sometimes I gotta be in the mood for new music. Like even like a newer bands, you know, like a lot of these newer bands I discover like Haunt and Ambush. Sometimes I listen to one of their albums and it's just I'm just in one of those moods where I need to hear something I, I'm familiar with. I don't have the time to absorb something new, and I don't get it right away. And then I'll listen to it like a couple couple days later, and I get it. You know, sometimes I just gotta be in the mood. Sometimes you're just in a mood to hear something familiar. And you gotta be in the right mindset to listen to something new because you gotta really absorb it. You gotta take it in and like you know it's something new that you're not familiar with. So yeah, it's, it's a comfort uh, rock and roll. That's the thing, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So and what was the uh, other? Isn't there one more story you want to talk about before we jump into this awesome Thin Lizzy top twenty-five list? Yeah. Well, before I say that, I just want to say, man, uh, two two of our rock heroes, man, Mr. Dave Manchetti from YNT and uh, Chris Holmes from Wasp. Just recently, uh, both of them uh, have been diagnosed with cancer, and uh, man, just uh, I don't know what you, what anyone, well, all the listeners, whatever you believe in, keep them in your thoughts, prayers, whatever. But uh, you know, just keep pulling for those guys. You know, they rock legends, man, and sucks seeing them. You know, these legends that we looked up to, you know, getting old and you know, succumbing to 
you know, suffering from things like cancer and whatnot. So keep those two in your thoughts and prayers, man. Just hope nothing but the best. But moving on from that, who has seen the new Tommy Lee Pam Anderson series on Hulu? Holy shit! Who who who's seen? I know Edwin. I think you said you just you I just, just got started. Hulu. I I'm three episodes in. You're three? Okay, shit. I got Those to are... the talking penis, so yeah, I'm three episodes <laughs> <You> got... in. <laughs> that was that caught me so off guard because I, I already like... knew about it, so that's the thing. Because yeah, people spoiled that, so I yeah, I, I, was, I was prepared for it. <laughs> Metal Mike spoiled it, and I think that's what made me finally go and watch it because I was like, "What the fuck? There's no way!" And I see it, and there's a talk Tommy Lee talking to his penis, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Yeah, it looks, it looks like a Muppet, like a, like something that would be in Jabba the Hutt's palace. Yeah, it was so, it was very disturbing, it was very <laughs> stupid, but I couldn't help but laugh and just love it. I, it was hilarious. I was, I was so disturbed, yet like, I, it was hilarious all at the same time. Yeah, oh uh, I, so far, I, I have not, you know, completed this series yet. Uh, but I've watched the first three episodes, and I can say I really, I'm really enjoying it. Especially, um, I was surprised how much I'm enjoying the the Seth Rogen storyline. Yeah. I actually think that's the best part. I, I I find that really engrossing, and I think it's his Seth Rogen's best character, most likable character he's done since his like early Judd Apatow stuff, uh, and. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's definitely my favorite role he's done since um, Observe and Report, which I think was a very underrated film that Jody Hill wrote and directed. And he's like playing this kind of scrappy, likable everyman, but then you find out more about him, and it's just and, and there's some interesting things in his past, and he's doing a really good job. It's it's. Uh, I mean, everyone's doing a good job. The whole cast is doing a good yeah. job. But I actually would say I like Seth Rogen in, in his performance and his character the best. Oh, he's he's great, and like you know, say what you will about Seth Rogen as a person or whatnot. You know, he is hilarious, and he's just like his character is very likable, but his character also has you know he has flaws to him too. Because like you know, you get deeper in the road, and you realize you know he's trying to get you know. I I hope I don't spoil it for you too much, Evelyn, but like he's you know he's trying to get revenge because Tommy Lee was real dickhead to him. But then later on the road, you find out maybe you went a little too far. So, like, you also kind of feel he has, you know, he's he's human. He has his flaws to him. But he's he's so hilarious. He's got those classic Seth Rogen moments. Like, uh, there's there's the part. Oh, man, I don't I don't want to spoil it for Edwin. <laughs> <laughs> there's a part where he's listening to a King Crimson record, and uh, he, someone comes to his apartment and attacks him. And, like, he's listening to the person that's attacking him is like, what the fuck is this shit? He's like, it's King Crimson. The guy takes the record. He smashes it. And Seth Rogen, like in typical Seth Rogen fashion, he's like, oh, no, that was a, that was a first pressing. You know? like, <laughs> it just makes me laugh because he's just, he's a great character, but he still has those Seth Rogen goofy moments that just, you know, make you laugh. Yeah, and, it's uh, like, I felt like there was a period there where he was getting away um like you know, I, I like I said, I, I his stuff. I, I thought the stuff between him and Paul Rudd was the funniest stuff in um, oh, yeah. the Forty Year Virgin. You know, all that improv that did it did. You know, the Coldplay jokes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, that's kind of what made everyone like him. You know, when that's what made him a star, and that kind of set up pretty much knocked up was like a whole movie kind of like, hey, let's riff on the Seth Rogen guy that was a funny supporting character in the other movie. And yep. then, and I liked, uh, I liked This Is The End a lot. I thought that was really funny. And I liked yep. that. And the writing he's done, you know, like, super bad and things like that. So I liked a lot of his earlier stuff. 
But then I felt like he kind of was trying to take himself a little more seriously, and he kind of yeah. got away from that. And which happens. It, which happens. I understand. You want to. You're an artist. You want to try different stuff. But it's just. It's. It was just. It, it was like that was the surprise revelation. The revelation of like Seth Rogen's kind of getting back to his like kind of every man comedic roots. And I thought he and he did a really really great job. So yeah, a great performance. But the whole cast is great. Yeah, oh, I agree. The really strong cast. And right, the, you know the actress and actor. You know that play Tommy and Pam. It's like a you know a, you're convinced that's Pam and Tommy. Like they do such a, a convincing job. You know, and uh, uh, yeah. Stephen, you you haven't talked on it yet. Have you watched it yet? And no, I, I really oh. haven't. No desire. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit, man, I. I hate Motley Crue, like, except for Shot the Devil in 94 and a few songs here and there. I, I really just hate Motley Crue, but you gotta admit, those guys have some freaking entertaining stories. Well, the, 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 the reason I'm not watching it is not because, I, I don't mind Crue, I, I just, yeah. I just have no interest. I've seen the movie, and I know the story of them, and I, honestly, there's, there's just other things on my list I'd rather watch before that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, but I do admit, though, I think the, the way they did this, where they kind of broke it up into episodes, they made like a miniseries. This is what I was wishing they would do with the dirt. This is where like, this is where the dirt like kind of messed up in my opinion because I love the the book, the dirt, and the movie was good, but it's just I felt it was too short. I felt they should have done it, took advantage of the Netflix deal, and they should have made it like a miniseries, like each episode's like maybe a certain like album. Yeah, you know? it's kind of weird when you think about it because that's. Uh, uh, you know that's a that the dirt deals with a, a lo longer period of time, yeah. and so it's much more, more going on. Whereas this is you know a really tighter focus about one incident and a few people, and yet this gets the miniseries treatment. It is a little odd. If anything, you would think it would be like the other way around. So yeah, it's, it was kind of strange. But it does show you that even with a, a more a tighter focus and uh, the. There's just like a, a lot of freedom you have, a lot of creative freedom that you could tell the story in a different way. Because, yeah, there is a version which you could see that it's just kind of focuses on Seth Rogen and his story. And that would be like a two hour movie. You could see that version. It'd be a good movie. Yeah. But, but it enables them to get into, you know, Pam and Tommy more and know things from their point of views and get into the other characters and get into flashbacks and things and learn more about the characters. And it's just it shows you. This freedom that we now have with uh, all these streaming services and stuff like that, that it doesn't have to be in a box. And that's the thing. Yeah, it's it feels like the dirt, even though it's just a couple years old now, that feels kind of quaint and old fashioned that they try to make it just like a, a two hour movie like that. You know, yeah. like, like now I think they would have made it a miniseries and got more of a you would get all the stories then. You know, and definitely exactly. find out more. Like they didn't even talk talk about like Vince Neil being from Compton and stuff. Like there was yeah, a lot. there's yeah. so there's like so many stories just from their youth before they really got yeah. big or before they even knew each other that were awesome that me, I wish that they was, would touched upon. Yeah, that was like the heart. Like the thing, like I said, like it's good to have a entry point. Like the the Seth Rogen character, it was a great entry point, a great way to begin the story, and then you kind of expand on it because he's the most he's a more relatable character than a rock star. Yeah. And and to me it's like the dirt like you had in when I was reading that book, you know, and you know, we, we discussed this a little bit about how we, you know, love Vince Neal, he's our favorite Motley Crue yeah. member. But like in the book it was also because he was just kind of the most relatable. He was the guy that kinda he you know, he wasn't really I mean he, yeah, Nikki came from a trailer park, Tommy Lee was like 
kind of upper middle class. You know, Mick Marsh is some old grouchy rock guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, and Vince just came off as just like kind of underdog you were rooting for. This guy, this, you know, half Latino guy from Compton that just, you know, was just trying to make a buck and get out of Compton and become a rock singer. And to me, like, that's like, if you're like, that's the story. Like, that's that's where you begin. And he's also the one that has to go through the most shit because of the manslaughter thing. And then and then his daughter died. And of course, they have some of those more dramatic beats in there. But to me, like, and I, I know part of that, Nikki and Tommy wouldn't like that maybe necessarily. But to me, it's like <laughs> the entry point, at very least, I mean, obviously, you have to balance out all four of them because contractually speaking, you, know, yeah. you have to do that. But I still think if you had to begin with Vince and begin in Compton and kind of branch out and make it, like you said, a series, a miniseries, to me, that would have been the best way to tell the dirt, in my opinion. I think so. And yeah. I do, in this movie, too, I love how... They touch upon the fact that, I mean, you know, they touch upon Tommy Lee and, like, you know, Motley Crue at the time was, you know, grunge was taking over. You really get to see, like, you know, Tommy Lee, because, you know, the thing, Tommy Lee was, at the time, was probably feeling overshadowed by Pam Anderson. Now, let's be honest, man, Pam Anderson saved Motley Crue. I think the reason Motley Crue are still as big as they are and they're not like Rat or one of these, you know, other hair metal bands is because they had Pam Anderson to kind of keep them in the spotlight through the through the nineties. Tommy Lee dating Pam Anderson really helped that band a lot. I don't. I, I think I it agree. helped them significantly because they stayed in the headlines and it gave them more notoriety at a time when people didn't give a shit about hair metal bands. So she really saved that band, dude. Like if Bobby Blotzer was fucking Pam Anderson, I think it'd be the other <laughs> way around with Matt and Motley Crue and popularity, you know. I, I I definitely to a degree I, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, I mean she kept Tommy Lee famous throughout the nineties. Exactly, and, and they do touch upon that a little bit. Yeah, there is that yeah. scene when they're in the limo together, and he he's like a little. It's like one of the few times where Tommy seems kind of humbled by something. Yeah. He's like, "Wow, you're really famous." And, and she says, "Oh, you're famous," but it's kind of like, but you know, she's just being nice. Yeah, <laughs> like it's really more about her. That you know, at that moment, at that moment, she was huge. It was Baywatch, and she was like the number one sex symbol, you know, out of America. And yeah, it's definitely made Tommy Lee. It kept his, he kept him in the spotlight, and it's yeah. still making him a name. So yeah, so when they, it's a lot like a, like kind of like the Ozzy Osbourne reality show, you know? Yeah, Ozzy, yeah. These things, these certain pop culture things, kept the, these certain artists in the limelight, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, plus, you know, obviously, there's a lot of attributes to being hooked up with Pamela Anderson. Exactly. (laughs) But she helped. And the tape itself. Yeah. The tape itself kept Tommy Lee famous. Actually, more more people have heard Tommy Lee honk a boat horn with his dick than they've heard, like, Theater of Pain. Like... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, a lot of, I, I swear, like, for a, a certain generation in the 2000s, like, people were going to see, hey, I want to see that big dick guy from that, that famous porno <laughs> play the drums. You know, like, I think it definitely helped them a lot, and I think that's yeah. a very good point, Eric, yeah. I honestly, him honking the boat horn with his dick is better than, like, anything after, you know, anything after Theater of Pain anyway, so, except for 94, <laughs> that's a good album, but... Yeah, it's definitely better than anything after 94. <laughs> 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 oh man, but yeah, well, that, that's pretty much it for the news, so why don't we get into what we're really here to talk about, and that's none other than fucking Thin Lizzy. Okay, well, you know what, I gotta take a piss, so while I'm taking a piss, because I know Steven will take a little time to tell us this, 
But Stephen, why don't you tell everyone how you got into Thin Lizzy and why this band is so important to you and why still to this day they are are they your they're your favorite band, right? Or are they like second favorite band? No, they're my number one band. Easily, so even more than Maiden. So Thin oh, Lizzy's your number one. hundred percent, yeah. Oh wow! Not so even, yeah, so tell everyone your history at the band and why still to this day they're your very favorite band of all time. Alrighty. You ready for this, guys? Oh, yeah. I'm oh, yeah. Go for it. Go for it. it. Take your time. Make it epic. <laughs> I got a piss. <laughs> um, so, basically, so I'm I'm 51 now, and um, I've got two older brothers. Uh, one's eight years older than me, and one's ten years older than me. I also have a younger brother, but my two older ones, I was very influenced by the music they would listen to. So, you know, imagine, you know, late 70s, I was born in 70, so, you know, when I was like 8, 9, 10 years old, I used to hear my brothers playing their music, uh, and, you know, played a lot of Queen, uh, Electric Light Orchestra, you know, and Lizzie and stuff like that, and um, I just remember, my, my oldest brother, he played the drums, and his bedroom was in, in, in the loft, we had like three floors, and the loft was like converted to a big bedroom, and he used to play drums to, you know, to, to records. He would put the records on and play along. And I heard him playing Jailbreak, the album. And I was like, I'd never heard anything like that before, you know? So, um, I went into his room and I'm like, what are you listening to? And he showed me the cover and instantly I was like, this cover's really cool. And I don't know if you've got the Jailbreak album. Oh, I love that fucking album cover. I think that was, that was my first one too. So that was the one my mom had. And it was, well, it's cool. It looks like a comic book. Yeah, well, the original, I mean, not nowadays, but the original was a gatefold, and you would open it up, and it's like a whole scene. You know how they have the little, like, you're watching, looking at a TV screen? Yeah. But you would open it up, and it's a whole scene um, behind that. Um, so, you know, as, as a kid, you know, I, I'd looked at it, I opened it up, and I'm like, holy crap, this is amazing, you know? And there's, like, on the back of the album, there's, like, a story. It I doesn't really pertain to the really the whole album it's not like it's a it's a concept album but you know it, it, it's like a little story of like a futuristic story on there and it just just captured me so i would listen to my brother playing and of course you know the boys of town is on there and all that kind of stuff so i asked him to uh, record it for me onto a cassette and and he did he put it on um, and what he did was i don't know how old how old are you eric I I am 28, about to be oh. 29 in a couple of days. All right, well, back in my day, we had cassettes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we had, you know, you could get different lengths. So I you, I would get like a 90-minute a cassette. So it was 45 minutes on each side. And he recorded the album on both sides for me. So I used to go to bed every single night. Uh, I had a little tape recorder by my bed. And it would auto when the when the side finished, it would flip over and play the mm-hmm. next side and just continuous. And I literally, maybe for two or three years, I would go to sleep every night listening to Jailbreak uh, until I fell asleep. Nice. On a loop. Yeah, and and then the other thing is, my brother had in his bedroom, um, one of my brothers. He was an artist, and he would paint on his walls, and he had all big logos on it. Instead of putting posters up, he put logos on his wall. And he had, um, I mean, the ones I can, obviously he had Thin Lizzy, and I, I was obsessed with the logo. I love their logo. Yeah, it's awesome. And so he had the logo on the wall, he had um, uh, a band called Stranglers, I remember that. That was more like a punk band. Yeah. Um, Cockney Rebel, I don't know if he's a British band from the 70s, but I just <laughs> I remember. Queen, stuff like that. 
And I was just like fascinated. And then my older brother, who was the drummer, on his wall, he have you ever seen like if you go to a craft store or something, you can get like a roll, like a, a sheet of like little square mirrors, and you can yes. kind of cut cut it to shape. So my brother made a massive Thin Lizzy um, logo, like huge, and he, he glued it and put it onto his wall, you know, and he cut it out from this roll of mirror. And my mother is superstitious, so if anybody knows anything about superstition, <laughs> if you break a mirror, it's seven years bad luck, according to my mother. Um, so once my brother put it on the wall, he was never allowed to take it down because it would get ripped and you know like break the mirror yeah. break and take it down so cut a long story short my brother um bought the family house that we my mum moved out and moved in with my grandmother at the time and she's in a different house now but my brother my oldest brother bought our family home and lives in it to this day with his family you know and so basically the loft which was his bedroom is is now his son's bedroom and that Thin Lizzy logo is still up on the wall. Nobody nice. will take it down. It's been up. It must be 40 years it's been on this wall, this Thin Lizzy logo. So, you know, I have all these, like, things with, with Lizzy. So when they would, they used to say to me, don't touch my records. You know, I wasn't allowed to touch their vinyl LPs in case I scratched them or anything like that. So, of course, when they would go out to work or wherever, I used to go into the room and go through all the records and pull out all the Thin Lizzy stuff. And, uh, and I used to listen to, you know, listen to it and just i was just obsessed with them look at all the pictures the inside sleeves and then um we had um, a family friend who before Ticketmaster and all that kind of stuff and you know the internet when you had to go and get tickets you would literally have to find like a box office or you know whatever and you know, people used to sleep out overnight so i had an uncle who owned uh, a ticket agency and he literally had like in the city in the center of manchester he had like a booth almost um and people used to sleep out overnight and he would put like, you know, pieces of paper on the, on the windows saying, you know, Thin Lizzy at the Manchester Apollo, August 10th, you know, and the, and the price, you know, people would sleep out. And I just used to call him and say, well, my mom did or my brothers did and say, hey, we need, you know, five tickets for this show or three tickets for that show, whatever it may be. Um, so I used to go to a lot of shows that way. My brothers got tickets for Thin Lizzy on the Chinatown tour. So wow. that was ni- 1980. And I, I said, I gotta go. I was like, screaming blue murder to my mom. <laughs> they gotta take me. And my brothers were like, we're not taking a little baby brother, you know. So anyway, I ended up going. I, I honestly, I can't really remember it. I remember the excitement of going, but I, I think it was like nine years old at the time. But then a couple of years later, I saw them on the Renegade tour. And wow. that was, Ooh. that was when I re, I re, I still remember that. I remember where we sat. Uh, I remember Sweet Savage opened, and Sweet Savage was Vivian Campbell's band. Oh my God! I mean, I didn't know them at the time, obviously. Just I know looking back, um, and I remember we were on the balcony on the right-hand side, like the front row of the balcony at the side. And I remember um, like the lights going down and the Renegade flags flying and the dry ice coming out, and there was like the Renegade flag on each side of the stage. And then, you know, they went into Angel of Death, you know, that the, the, the keyboard starts to come in and the band walks on stage. And just to this day, I just remember it gives me the absolute chills. Uh, I was just in heaven. And, and, you know, so that that was like how I got into Lizzie um, as a young kid. And, I you know, back then we had posters on our wall. You know, we would go to like stores and buy posters and, 
you know, I was on a mad search to find Lizzie posters, and I used to get a magazine called Kerrang. Yeah, yep. I know Kerrang. Yeah, yeah Kerrang's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's I British. Mean, um, back, well, back in the day, when it first came out, it was once a month, and it went, like, by, you know, every two weeks, and then eventually it became weekly, and that was where we got all our news, you know, like, tickets for shows would come out on, on there, and, you know, you would read it, the first few pages were all news and updates, and, you know, whenever Lizzie was on, the first thing I would look at was, it would have a picture of whoever was on the cover and then a list of like articles and I would look to see if it was Lizzie and um, the most famous one I can remember of Lizzie being in there was with the Thunder and Lightning it was John Sykes and and Phil on the front cover and you know these are all just memories I was like 13 at the time wow see I didn't know well A I didn't know you were that old Stephen for one thing (laughs) but but this that's the good thing about being that old it's like all those awesome shows that Ralph Vieira saw like you actually got to see like I didn't know that I knew you were a fan yeah, I, well, I, 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 I realized that you actually saw Thin Lizzy with Phil. Like, I saw Thin Lizzy with that too. Yeah, yeah, so I saw Phil. I saw Thin Lizzy three times: The China Sound, Renegade, and Thunder and Lightning. Yeah, I was going to ask you next. Yeah. You saw them with John Sykes. Yeah, yeah. So ah. John Sykes. And, That's got to be my um, second favorite Lizzy lineup is with John Sykes. Yeah, my and it was. And again, too. remember, I, I was thirteen at the time. Like, I think now when we get to our age. Or, well, older, what I should say. You know, and you've been to so many concerts. It's like, yeah, you have a great time and you enjoy them. And, oh, that was a great gig. But when you're a kid and you're seeing your heroes, like, right up there, it's in- insane. And I remember for Thunder and Lightning, I was down, uh, you know, like, a few rows from the front. Because we got our tickets from my uncle. And we got them, like, three or four rows from the front. And I actually have, you'll laugh at it, i, I got to find them. I've got a photo. Because my brother took his camera. And, um... I remember he took some photos and one of them that we still have it you know it's taken it of the stage and it's it's um you know you can see phil and john sykes and there's a guy stood right in front of us wearing uh, an iron maiden um you know leather jacket and he's got like it's all i think it's just embroidered on the back but it's like a denim but it's it's of the uh, Iron Maiden album, you know the first album. So it was Diano nice. back then. Oh, yeah, the but um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and then um, there was a band open for them called Mama's Boys, which were an Irish. Oh, was, I know them. They, yeah, Thin Lizzy were very big on a lot of the bands that opened for them were Irish bands. You know, you mm-hmm. always wanted, you know, because Sweet Savage were Irish as well. Yeah, and um, so yeah, so I saw them there. I saw them that time, and then the best time. Well, not the best time, but I went to see Gary Moore on the Run for Cover tour, Son which was bitch. which was '85. Uh, I think that was '85. Yeah, I was about 15, and um, I, I remember I was maybe like 15, 20 rows back, and they did the show, whatever. And then I had no idea, and all of a sudden, um, you know, Gary Moore was like, "Okay, we've got a special guest coming on to do like some songs." And I remember turning to my friend going. Holy fucking shit! If this is fit liner, I'm gonna shit myself. <laughs> and, and and it was like, and I remember Phil walking on, and they did. I went absolutely nuts. I must have been like a a girl at a fucking instant concert. You know? and, um, I'll blame you. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> and they did out in the fields, military man, and I I'm pretty sure they did um, Parisian walkways too. And I found out a few years later that they released uh, Gary Moore released a single. From I think it was from the Over the Hills, you know, the Final Frontier, uh, not the Final Frontier, the um, Wild Frontier album, and it came out as a double single, and the the extra the second disc 
was those songs from the Manchester Apollo, from the show I went to. Oh, I mean, I'm sweet. sure they're available on YouTube. And the thing is, I had all this stuff. I bought all this Lizzie stuff. As I, That's the other thing. I, as I was growing up, I was buying everything I could possibly get to with Lizzie. Singles, 12-inch singles, 7-inch, tapes, you, you name it. You still have uh, most of that stuff? No, because what happened was when I moved to the States... I know I'm rambling on. You can cut me off. No, this is all good. This is all good. This could be a two-part episode, man. So. <laughs> yeah, we're not even going to the songs yet. So yeah. um, when um, when I moved to the States, I was about 25 years old, 26 years old. And I'd gotten friendly with, I'm sure you know this story, but with Phil Lynott's mother. Yes. And I'd become friendly with her because I went to see... You know how they do a vibe for Philo every every year do you know yes. that right, no, so, I, I wasn't familiar with that okay so basically every year on his birthday they or around his birthday they do a show um sometimes it's in ireland I, I, they've had it in different places and it's every year and they get all different guests and all that kind of stuff and the first time i went to the very first one and it was in a, a town called a city called wolverhampton which is actually where phil was born i believe in wolverhampton and um which is just basically birmingham it's like it's right next to birmingham yeah. And they did a show there and his mother was like the guest of honor and um it was all different bands throughout the day, you know, doing Lizzie covers and things like that. And Brian Robertson was there, Brian Downey was there, Eric Bell was there, um uh, and Scott wasn't there. And uh I at the end I wanted to meet uh Philomena. I met Brian Robertson, Eric Bell, uh, you know, Downey and I, I couldn't get anywhere near his mother and I was really bummed about it. So I I was a member of the fan club uh, back then when fan clubs were a thing. And yeah. I, wrote, I wrote a letter to his mother. And, you know, I wrote it to the fan club and said, can you pass this on to, to his mother? And basically all I said was just how much his music had influenced me as a kid and just helped me through some tough times and just how much I, you know, loved it and all that. And I didn't really say, and I sent a picture. I had a jacket, a, a painted jacket that a friend of mine did. Uh, it was amazing airbrushed jacket of phil on the back and lizzie logos all over it and different album covers on the sleeves and all this kind of stuff and he um and i never thought anything of it and then one night i get a phone call um and it was this lady saying is this steven and i was like yeah and she goes it's philomena liner and i knew no one was fucking around with me because i was embarrassed about sending it so i didn't tell any of my friends because it all bust my balls about it yeah <laughs> so i didn't tell anybody about it so i knew it was legit and she's like oh i just got your letter and i'm so touched by it and, and you blah 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 and she said listen i'm coming to manchester uh, in a few weeks would you meet me i want to see your jacket in person and all that so i was like holy shit so i went to meet her when she came in she was going to see phantom of the opera at the, like a matinee performance i met her outside and there was a photographer there from a local newspaper who was doing an article on her because she just released her my boy book so it was around that time and she he took it I, i've got like the cutting i have a photo of it i'm sure you've seen it if not i can send it to you post it whatever yeah definitely, has, yeah, definitely post it, yeah. it on the page yeah post it on the yeah. page because yeah people will be curious to it, see it. it has a write-up it has a picture of philomena and me and she's like pointing at my jacket and then it's got like a little write-up on me and that kind of stuff it was really cool and then afterwards she took me we went to a club that was closed it was a nightclub uh, it was during the day and her her friend owned it and she was meeting up with all her friends and she was an old lady so like there was a lot of you know um, all older people there 
And I just ended up, she wanted to, she said to her friends, just, I'm just talking to Stephen and I'll be with you soon. And she literally sat there for, oh my God, at least an hour, an hour and a half, just chatting to me about Phil and about all the, the things that, you know, just asking. And she was asking questions about me. And at that time I was dating uh, my now wife. So I was telling her about moving to America, you know, that was the plan and all this. And she was just so involved in, in, in listening to me. And she also told me some great stories about Phil. Um, and she, then she got a phone call from a guy and this guy was the famous, I know you guys don't follow soccer, but it's, it's a big yeah. thing, obviously for me. Uh-huh. So I'm from Manchester. So my team is Manchester City and the other team in Manchester is Manchester United, who most people have heard of, you know, they're like the Yankees of, you know, you, even if you don't know the sport, you know the team. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, and I hate Manchester United and Phil was a big uh, United supporter. So there is a famous player who, unfortunately, you know, passed away, but he was a, he was if if we would do Hall of Fame, he would have been a Hall of Fame with this guy, and he was called Georgie Best, and he called at the time because he was very good friends with Phil, and he wanted to speak to Philomena, and Philomena was like, and I'm sitting there, and they're going, hey, Georgie Best is on the phone for you, and she's like, tell him I'll call him back, and just as a side thing, Georgie Best is mentioned in the song Black Rose, you know, at the end when he's like, he goes, Georgie knows best when he's kind of rapping oh, at the end. Really? Okay. And he goes, Georgie that. knows best. That's who he's talking about, George Best. Um, okay. See, this was so, great. You got all this cultural insight. Yeah. Uh, as, yeah us no. the two Yanks, we would be missing a lot. Of stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, it was cool. So, so that was like you know really cool. So, I had a great chat with her. And and as a side note, she went off on not went off on me. She went off on she blamed Jimmy Bain. Yeah, I think she says that in a book actually. But she told me some stories of Jimmy Bain that she hated that guy. Like, hey, she said that he was he was the one that killed. Phil, she. I mean, look, it's it's. Uh, she's his mother, so obviously, she's yeah. going to take some of the blame away from him. But yeah. she was vicious in in her uh, in her. Could you just explain for people who aren't, you know, don't know so much about this backstory? Uh, why would uh, she think that? Well, so basically, so basically, you know, Jimmy and him were very good friends. Um, I think the played on record I think Jimmy was on Phil's solo album Solo in Soho um, Jimmy also started a band called Wild Horses with uh, Brian Robertson so yeah. there was the, you know there were, were friends and he was also a big drug user and when Phil was trying to get clean and this is according to Philomena when Phil was trying to get clean um, Jimmy Bain was the one feeding him uh, you know bringing around drugs sneaking him stuff and yeah so he was his, he was his drug buddy so yeah basically thing, yeah but, so instead of yeah. trying to help him when he was trying to get cleaned up yeah because the reason that Lizzie broke up you know Scott had said you know if he couldn't do the drugs anymore it was more about that he just wanted to get clean and he had to break away from Lizzie to get clean and that is what happened and, and Phil was supposed to get cleaned up as well yeah. It's but, tough when you wrestle with addiction. Right now, I'm actually reading the Mark Lanigan uh, memoir, and okay. and he's talking. Who he's uh, who passed away? He was the lead singer for the Screaming Trees, also oh, a yeah, yeah, solo yeah. artist. And he was a junkie for many years, and he was junkie. He he did a lot of uh, drugs, especially with uh, Lena Staley from Alice in Chains. Uh, yeah, because the uh, uh, Screaming Trees were, were the opening act for the Dirt tour, and they pretty much were just doing the two of them. They were. They were like you find like a partner like sometimes with Kurt it was like Courtney Love you know like you get that partner that's gonna do the heroin with you and it's almost like a perverse marriage. 
Like, yeah. It's, it, so it's kind of hard, and I understand, obviously, it's the mother. She's going to be emotional about it and blame this other guy. But it's kind of like it takes two, you know? That's oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah they, 100%. They, they find each other, and it's like, you're the person I will do do the smack with. And you become, like, kind of married to that person. But, it, but it's hard it's to break though, away from it. Because also, a few years... Well, once I moved to the States, I, I remember... Um, I don't, know, I don't know how I found out, I guess on the internet, whatever, I saw something and it said, Thin, you know, when Thin Lizzy first got back together with John Sykes singing and, you know, that kind of tour, and it said Thin Lizzy are playing, doing an American tour, and they're going to play in Orlando, and I was like, holy shit, that's like, I can't believe it, I lived like three hours from Orlando. Yeah. Uh, you know Florida, right? <laughs> uh, so I was like, yeah, I was yeah. in West Palm Beach, I was in Palm Beach County. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I know that well. Yeah, Yeah, and, and it said playing in Orlando, and I was like, holy shit, so I bought a ticket, I couldn't believe it, I know it's not... Lizzie, Lizzie, but whatever. Still. Uh, yeah, and um, I was psyched. And then about, I don't know, a couple of weeks later, they announced that they were playing in a town called Boynton Beach. And I lived in Boynton Beach. And I'm thinking, first of all, where the hell is there a concert place in Boynton Beach? It's just a little town, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I looked up where it was, and it's this, it, at the time, it was, I think it's called Ovation. And it was in, like, a strip mall, you know? It was just like a little... It was like a convert. It used to be a supermarket, and it turned into like a little like nightclub kind of thing, and um, and they were playing there. So I went. So I went down early in the day because uh, I was just like, this is nuts, you know. That I could meet like Scott and whatever. So I got there, and I'm hanging around outside, and there's a the opening band. And what they were doing was using opening bands, uh, like local bands. So this mm-hmm. band turns up, and they start loading their equipment in, into the into the hall. So. I'm just chatting to them, and we're talking about Lizzie, and, and I said, oh, you know, you know, I'll help you sh- drag some stuff in. So I'm dragging some stuff in, and then I'm inside for a few hours, and I'm talking to the to the manager of that band, and we were just chatting, whatever. And then, all of a sudden, the Thin Lizzie road crew come in, and the manager and everything, and they said, anybody who's not with the opening band has to leave. And I was like, damn it, I was so close to you know, <laughs> seeing him. And then the manager of this opening band said, oh, he's with us. And he went, okay. And I was like, holy shit. So I sat there. I just acted, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, John Sykes walks in. And I was like, oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. And I was like a wreck. And uh, I would brought some Lizzie stuff with me in the bag because I was hoping to meet them, you know, for them to sign. And uh, John Sykes walks over. And then following him, Scott Gorham walks in. And Scott is one of my all-time heroes. I just love that guy. He held Finn Lizzie together. I mean, besides, you know, the guitar-wise. Well, he's, he's yeah, there. he's yeah. there. He's he was the, there. He was the one remaining yeah. guitar player that always stuck around. But <laughs> yeah, he's he the consistent guitarist throughout yeah, all their so best under, albums. He's so underrated because listen to who he had to play with all the time. Yeah, yeah. play with. So he walks in, and I was just honestly, I was just a wreck, and I, I just said to him, "Oh, you know, can you can you sign this?" And he goes. We're going to do a sound check. Can you uh, just wait, watch the sound check, and then I'll do it after. So I said, okay. So I literally stood two feet in front of the stage, and they ran through ah, three songs, and literally right in front of me, just me and a few other people in the room. I couldn't believe it. was like having your own private show, you know? It's amazing. And, um, and then Scott kept looking at me going, you know, give me the thumbs up and all that kind of stuff. And then when they got off the stage, Scott said to me, how did that sound? I'm like, are you kidding me? That was, like, amazing. <laughs> so then I said, oh, you know, can I can you sign some stuff? And he's like, yeah. And he, somebody handed him, like, a cup of tea. And he, like, he sat down next he, like, at the table. And he starts signing for me. And he just starts chatting to me about Lizzie. And spent about half an hour chatting to me, which was just amazing for me. 
John Sykes was a little more standoffish. He, he didn't really talk to many people, but I have a picture of him, you know, when I met him. I did with Scott as well, but I don't know what happened to the pictures. But I, I still have the one of, of John. And once he heard my accent, he kind of, like, lightened up because he's English and he actually grew up not far from me. So he, he started chatting to me and he was a lot friendlier after that. Um, but it was just un- an unbelievable experience. Um, so, you know, so going back... And actually, Ralph was there at that show. I didn't know him. Really? Time, obviously. And oh, Ralph wow. actually videoed the whole show and he has a video of the whole show. It's on YouTube. Oh, but, wow. Uh, awesome. Yeah, check that out. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, you know, going back to you, you, I can't even remember what the original question was. Well, it, it, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know how it started? You asked me if I had all my latest stuff. Oh, well, yeah, for that part, yeah. So, <laughs> so what happened was, basically, when I moved to America, I, I, I called Philomena and I said, look, you're going to be in Manchester soon. I said, I'm moving to America. I have stacks of records. I had about 5,000 albums. Not not Lizzie, I mean, of everything, you know. And I didn't know how to send them across to America. I was like, they're going to get broken. So I ended up selling all my albums to, like, a, you know, a used record store. And all my Lizzie stuff I pulled out. And I gave to her. Wow, that's and amazing. My, and the jacket that I have, that I had, uh, it's got a picture of Phil on the back. It's a picture from the Thunder and Lightning, um, Thunder and Lightning sound um, picture set, you know. And um, it had, um, it's got like the Chinatown logo on it. It's got the Renegade Ooh, flag on it, nice. the Black Rose. And I gave it to her because I said, look, moving to Florida, I'm never going to need it heavy biker jacket anymore <laughs> i don't i wish i you know now but yeah you ended up moving up north so you might yeah, <laughs> yeah. no but, but also at the time you know we didn't have podcasts and i didn't have this whole metal community and you know what i mean if yeah. i'd have known all that i probably would have just kept it for nostalgia not that i'd ever fit into it anymore of course because i'm about 10 sizes bigger than when i had that jacket <laughs> but yeah. um but no it's but that uh, that jacket is actually now in the dublin um music museum whatever it's called and it's actually in a display with other like with phil's bass guitar and all the stuff and my jacket is up there and every now and again wow. in the group, i see people you know and also like on the thin cool. group, I, w- I would see people um because philomena would like if you went to a house and knocked on the door and said i'm a lizzie fan she'd invite you in show you all the lizzie stuff that she kept and everything and people would post photos wearing my jacket wow and it was cool. just so surreal yeah, it's so bizarre. But no, yeah, actually, that, it's kind of a it's a really beautiful story, Steve. It is. Yeah, it, you know, and and I obviously this had to mean a lot to you and just the timing of it too. It's just like as you're leaving your life in Manchester and moving to America to be able to pass this stuff on to Phil's mother, you know, and just yeah. while you begin in this new chapter, obviously you had to like recognize the poetry of that and the beauty of that when it happened. Yeah, absolutely. This band that was a big part of your life, you're leaving a part of all the stuff you collected, you know, for this band that's a huge part of your life and pretty much like your heart, you left behind to, you know, the yeah. mother of, you know, the leader of that band, you know. So it, it's almost like kind of some full circle kind of thing there. Yeah. Well, she she was also, she used to call me. A few, you know, she, when I moved to America, she had no concept of change of time. She would call me. <laughs> like, I'd get a phone call at like, I mean, she didn't call me often. She usually... She always sent me a postcard for St. Patrick's Day. Um, and she would just send me a postcard, how's the family, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And then once in a blue moon, you know, she would just call me out of the blue. And I remember she called me one day 
it was like three in the morning. I'm like, what the hell, you know? I answer the phone and she's like, oh, isn't Stephen? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, it's Philomena. I'm like, oh, how are you doing? She's like, is it the right time? I'm not sure. I mean, it's like three in the morning. I'm like, no, yeah. no, I was awake. It's fine. <laughs> you know? And uh, she was just super, super nice. And everybody I know who's met her has just got amazing stories about her. And yeah, um, yeah so that, that's really a very long version of you know, I had no idea. I knew they were an important band to you. I knew you, you were into them as a child and that they were, you know, were you know, a very important band to you. But I had no idea that you, you were this close to some of the you know, people involved. And I, ju- I didn't realize how, how deeply this ran. You know, well, like I said, I'm 51. So I first got into them when I was like seven or eight years old. That's I know. Long- Long yeah, into someone. It's very cool too, just to be That's seven, awesome. eight, and actually going to concerts like that. I wasn't do. I wasn't that cool when I was a kid. Well, again, I was still it, like it, just play, I was playing with GI Joe and Transformers. <laughs> well, it was purely because I had. If I didn't have older brothers, that would never have happened. You know <laughs> where it would come. But, but because I had brothers who were eight and ten years older than me, you know, they were very big into music. So I was very influenced by what they they listened to. You know. Wait, it's amazing. Amazing story, Steven. Yeah. And now I know that you're going to have lots of things to say about every one of these songs. Uh, well, you're, you know, you're it's, our expert, too. That's the thing. If there's well, like, I'm sure but, you know what they're all about. And yeah. Everything. But the, the funny thing is, with you know, when I was looking at the list of songs that, that we did, or that I know we all put in our own 25, and this is the cumulative yeah. of what it was, um, that list is way off my list. Oh, know? well, they're kind of way off <laughs> I imagine you got a lot of deep cuts. There's a lot of deep yeah, cuts but there's some, oh, I'm not going to say them, but there's some very obvious ones that are not on the list, which is interesting. But the one, what I was going to say is, you know, I've heard, you know, like with Ralph and Ian and, and when you guys, when you discuss songs, you like pull them to part, to, you know, and it's, I'm like, I don't know if I can articulate how, what the song, you know what I'm saying? Other yeah. than going, yeah, I love that guitar song. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. you know, I think I may have said a lot of what I had to say and I'll kind of, won't be as as, as um, intricate in, 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 in some of the songs, but not because I don't like it, but it's just because you guys will probably explain them uh, or, you know... Well, we'll see. I'll say, I'm but, sure you'll have a few things to say. I recall yeah, you've had a few things to say about Maiden, so you can talk about the music <laughs> as well. Well, you already, you already added a lot to this episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, one thing I have to do now that we're, we are, and thank you for telling us all that. That was an awesome story, Stephen. But now uh, we're going to get into the... I mean... Should we? You want to jump into the list, or do you have anything to say, Eric, about your relationship? I'll be, I'll, I'll be real quick. You know, I, I, you know, I don't have. You know, sadly, I'm not. You know, Stephen's age, so I don't have all this cool. You know, memories with Lizzie, but uh, you know, I, I got into Lizzie with you know, like every, like most, most of us Yanks do with uh, uh, Jailbreak and Boys Are Back in Town. My mom had uh, the Jailbreak album, and I, I listened to it, but. Thin Lizzy was a very, um, they're a band that took me a while to get into, um, cause it, it wasn't really until Rock and Mel Combat Podcast that I really started to dive deeper into their, into their music. Um, and I think it's cause Thin Lizzy are a lot like, um, another amazing band that I've, you know, it, a band that recently I've just started really diving into their catalog and that's Cheap Trick, whereas, they're a band that, like, they get associated a lot with the hard rock, heavy metal crowds, but I feel Thin Lizzy is one of those bands that are so unique, and they have, they're not just, you know, your straight-up hard rock or proto-metal band. They're like, you know, they do so much different stuff. They they have so many, uh, they paint with a lot of different colors and a lot of different brushes. 
you know, you're not going to get the same song every time. And I feel it's like heavy metal fans or hard, real hard rock fans are going to listen to them and they think, oh, this is like too soft. Whereas people that like more softer rock are going to listen to them and be like, oh, this is just too heavy for me. I think that's a big reason, too, why a lot of people don't really give them a chance and why they're not as big, unfortunately. And, you know, I think, too, the two hits that people hear all the time on the radio, just they get burnt out on and then they just kind of don't really want to dive into that catalog. But uh, I uh, So much of what you're saying reflects my relationship with Finn Lizzie. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It's I. Uh, they are a band that I got really into because of the rock and metal combat yeah. podcast as well. Along with I'd say Thin Lizzy and Blue Oyster Cult. These were all because you know I guess you know I was a teenager in the '90s and you know a lot of headbangers and stuff. No one was really. It was a different generation. Like they weren't Thin Lizzy wasn't like a band that people talked about. So I only knew them because of the you know the boys are back in town pretty much. Yeah. And I'll admit, I mean, I won't reveal what's on this list and what's not on this list, but I will just say, uh, I'll just say what I felt then, but I was not a big fan of that song. Uh, I thought it was just kind of corny. I didn't like it. That's just the honest. Maybe my opinions have changed over the years, um, but that, I just, I wasn't a fan of that song. Now, I heard Jailbreak and I liked it. And this was before the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. I like Jailbreak. And what I did, which I should have done, was buy the album. But instead, and I don't do this often, but for whatever reason, I want the Greatest Hits route. And I got a Greatest Hits, and it wasn't a particularly good... Well, this should give you an idea. Like, Emerald's not even on this compilation. You know? <laughs> so I listened to a Thin Lizzy compilation that didn't have Emerald on it. You know? Wow. So, so yeah, it was really just, like, the singles. And yeah. it... It was all right. It wasn't bad, but it definitely it it kind of veered a little poppier, and it was just the singles. And you know, they were they were an album act. You know, their yeah. albums, even some of those hit songs, even like the boys are back in town. Like in the context of the album, it just is different. The, the the band the Eagles are actually a lot like that too. They were a band that I appreciated more after I actually listened to the albums mm-hmm. uh, because and- they, they were very album oriented. And same with Cheap Trick. Cheap Trick was a band... Well, I didn't even have the Cheap Trick greatest hits because I wasn't a big fan of a couple of their big hits. So I kind of stayed away from them. So Thin Lizzy, I had this greatest hits, and I thought to myself, eh, it's all right, but they're... eh, You know, something about... You know, just didn't do it that much. But then Ralph and Ian got so into them and their love for the band, and I'm sure Steven was probably on one of the episodes. I know you're Uh, on the Gary Moore run for cover episode. That was where you really went in depth about a lot of uh, Phil Lynott stuff. I did the Johnny the Fox uh, album. Yeah, that one too. That's that's probably my, as of now, I think that's probably my favorite Thin Lizzy album. That's probably my favorite right now. I had a period. I kind of changed a lot uh, about, they're not a band where it's like clearly one album like some other bands. Like my top spot, keeps changing a lot right now same here yeah it's actually it's funny it was after making this list i looked at how many songs i put from this one album i don't (laughs) i don't want to reveal that we'll talk about that yeah but uh there was one album that i just put a lot of songs from so i was like oh i guess it's this album i guess scientifically (laughs) speaking it must be this must be my favorite album because i put like half of the album on my list and none of the other albums had as many songs, but and it wasn't one of the albums that I thought was my favorite. So sometimes it's like you think 
you'd think it's your favorite, but then it's like you ever go to the iTunes like uh, like music like when it tells you what your favorite tr- most played tracks are. Yep. You know, and it's like it, and it surprises you sometimes. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. My yeah. top two songs are very radically different. It's yeah. number one is uh, Voyeur. I'm watching it by Lizzie Borden, and then the other one's uh, I Don't Want to Know by Fleetwood Mac. So it's very two. Yeah. Polar opposite songs. Yeah. So I, anyway, I got, so, what were you guys going to say? I, I got to say, I I definitely have a definitive top three, and then after that, it can just kind of you know change. That was um, me with my list. I had like it was basically like my top three were like my top three, but then everything well, no, else I mean, could have been I mean, anywhere. I mean the top three albums. That oh, okay, three, okay. I can do my top three albums as far as the top twenty-five list. I would say the first ten. We're definitely like the first five will never change, but then yep. once you start getting like past ten, then if you ask me today to do the list again, there will probably be five or six different songs on there that you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just and, to, to piggyback on that, I'm just saying that that's the thing is Thin Lizzy has so many great songs, and that's why they're definitely not a band. Uh, tr- you know, listening to a greatest hits for Thin Lizzy is like a Beatles greatest hits. It's yeah. like. It's just not telling you, because there's all these amazing deep tracks that you're just not going to hear. And, and they're, they're, they're an amazing. Band. They are an album band, and these deep tracks are amazing. And that's it's when I listened to their albums, that's when suddenly, overnight, I became a huge Thin Lizzy fan. I was like, these albums are amazing. There was all these great songs I wasn't hearing before. And yeah, so I just and now I have all their albums, and they're one of my favorite bands. I love well, Finley. Yeah. What, what I th- what I think is great is that you know, as far as Lizzie is, they they every song is different, every album is different, and yet you always know it's Lizzie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. they definitely throw in a lot of that Irish thing, you know, the Irish pig <laughs> thing occasionally. Yeah, but but look at like but look at Renegade. You know, you've got Angel of Death, and then on the oh. same album you've got Fats. Like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. They tell me so many different like band, styles. It's hard to get another sick of band them. that can do that. You know what I mean? Very, yeah, very eclectic. Yeah, they're close. Yeah. So you got to think of like a band like the Beatles. Like they, they're that level of artistry and diversity. I think Zeppelin at times were a little like that cheap trick. You know, they're one of those kind of bands where yeah, you can't just say they're one kind of music. Yeah. Makes 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 you wonder if you'd have lived what kind of stuff that have done over the last. Yeah, it's kind of funny because obviously they were with the Thunder and Lightning, they went into the like, uh, heavy metal, uh, leaned more into yeah. the heavy metal side and like the uh, you know new wave of British heavy metal kind of kind of went there. But as Renegade, the album right before, even though it has its heavier moments, it's kind of new wave-ish in spots and a little pop. Yeah, yeah. I'll so talk about I, it too once we get into certain songs. Oh yeah, we're definitely gonna talk about <laughs> a couple songs from Renegade. That I got some things to talk about. Yeah, and, but yeah, I feel like Phil. Yeah, Phil might have been like he might have done even like stuff like Prince stuff. I think by the late eighties. Oh yeah, like, I think that's sure. one of the things too that yeah. Sally, one of their greatest strengths. I feel that's one of their greatest strengths. It's also one of their greatest weaknesses as to why many people don't give them a chance because they're every song is something different. You're not going to get the same style song, the same musical style. I think that's what turns a lot of people off because. Not a lot of people really have the open-mindedness to really like listen to it and absorb it because you know you're not. It's not just you know twin loud twin guitars, hard rock and stuff. You know they do so much different styles, uh, and that's you know that's something where if you're willing to give the chance, that's one of their greatest strengths. But if yeah, you know, I had a friend. My people. When I was like getting really obsessed with Thin Lizzy a few years back, 
I was like, you know, I'd like when I get really into a band, I want other people to listen to them too. And there was a friend of mine, a buddy of mine, that was like,、uh, he was into harder heavy metal and、uh, and he liked a lot of alternative rock and he, but he liked rock and stuff. He liked the Melvins a lot, Queens of the Stone Age, and. I was telling him, I was like, "Oh man, you gotta listen to Thin Lizzy. They're really good." He said, "Yeah, everyone's always talking about Thin Lizzy, how important they are to metal and stuff." But I don't know. I sampled their stuff, and to me, it's like boogie woogie Bob Seger shit. <laughs> and you know, I love boogie woogie Bob Seger、yeah. shit too. That's the thing. So I, it didn't occur to me like that was a bad thing. Like, and sometimes I forget because I have versatile taste in music. It's sometimes like I'm a little surprised sometimes by some people that like bands I like, and I was surprised because to me it was like, oh, if you like Queens of Stone Age and the Melvins, you you like good music and you're open minded to like different stuff. That's what I think. But then, but then a guy makes a statement like that, and then I'm like, oh no, I guess because there's not enough. Like fuzzy distorted guitars, like I guess that's what he's into, and I love fuzzy distorted guitars. But you know, like you don't want to listen to fuzzy distorted guitars all the time. I mean, I love Motorhead's my favorite band, but you know, I wouldn't want to listen to Motorhead all the time. Like sometimes you want to listen to different kinds of music, different shades、yeah. and colors. And yeah, like you're saying, Eric, I think Thin Lizzy is just a little too damn eclectic for some, especially for some metalheads. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I think with Lizzie, I over the years when I was younger, going to concerts all the time, particularly living in England, not really since I moved to the States, but we used to hang out、um, around the back of like we. There was two main hotels in Manchester, so we kind of knew that bands would be staying in one of those hotels, and、um, and also we would wait around after the shows, and there was like a little pub in the back, and it was very easy to to meet people. And at the time, I also had another、uh, biker jacket. Uh, white one, and I had a Thin Lizzy logo on the top of it, and I used to get all, everyone I met, I would get them to sign it for me. And this jacket, it basically fell apart after I'd had it for so long, unfortunately. <laughs> But it was signed by everyone, and when they were signing it, they would see the Lizzy logo, and they would ultimately comment on it most of the time. And I remember I, I met Lemmy a few times, and he、Ooh. he signed it for me one time. Wow! And he, was, and he was like, "Oh man, I love Phil. Phil was great, and Lizzie was just the best." He was a big Lizzie fan. Oh yeah, well that's、and、the thing. Lemmy himself, and this is why Motorhead was such a great band because even though they had a kind of consistent fuzzy, distorted sound, as a songwriter, Lemmy was a fan of the Beatles. He loved、yeah. Thin Lizzie. He loved old school rock and roll. He loved and- ABBA. He loved ABBA. He loved the Bee Gees. He was a big Bee Gees fan too. Nice. And yeah, so he liked a lot of different kinds of stuff. So, and that's why I think, like, from there's the melodies. That's the thing. Like the Motorhead, even though they're heavy, there's a tunefulness to Motorhead. And I think, and obviously, you know, and he brings in, you know,、uh, you know, Bravo comes in and does another Perfect Day, which I think is one of their best albums. And shows you like he's bringing in those kind of Thin Lizzy type guitar melodies into Motorhead, and to me it works great. You know, some of the fans didn't like it, but that's the thing. Some metalheads, they, it's funny to think about how close-minded metalheads can be sometimes, because it's like、yeah. to them another Perfect Day wasn't metal enough, and it's like you listen to this, it's like God, like this is such、it、an amazing、so、album. It's so good, and it's so <laughs> heavy. <laughs> you know, just, I I find with Lizzy, I find. You know, because they're not that, especially over in America, they're not that big over here. I mean, they're more of a cult band. Yeah. But to me, I've always described they're a musicians band. Like you speak to, like I was saying with my jacket, when people would sign it, I've met a lot of people over the years, and you know, back in the day in the eighties and nineties, that signed this jacket at Biff, you know, Saxon. I met them and Bon Jovi. I, I met Bon Jovi. I've had, I've met Bon Jovi a few times. And it, I always talk to him about Thin Lizzy. He's a big, and all these guys are big 
Thin Lizzy fan. Oh yeah, Metallica love them. Guns and Roses yeah. a lot. I, yeah. I have back in the day when Napster was like a thing. I downloaded, um, sorry Lars, but I did download from that. <laughs> and uh, there was a, a bit, it was a clip of, I'm sure it's on YouTube, and it was Kirk and James, uh, you know, Metallica talking. They were, they must have just been like doing a sound check and goofing around, and they were doing, they were playing the solos from a cowboy song. And they were just saying how amazing the solos were, like, who the hell, and Kirk was like, who the hell can come up with this kind of solo? It's incredible. So like, the, and this was like, it wasn't being recorded, it was unofficially recorded, they weren't doing it for a recording, they were just chatting amongst themselves. So I just think that they literally influenced so many bands, uh, rock bands, pop bands, all kinds, you know, there's, yep. loads of, there's loads of covers out there of Lizzie songs by bands you would not believe, you know, not, not non-rock bands, you know what I mean? Oh uh, yeah. They were all, all influenced by, I mean, they may have done obvious covers, Boys Are Back In Town and stuff like that. But I mean, Smashing Pumpkins did an amazing cover of Dancing in the Moonlight. And I'm not a Smashing Pumpkins fan, but that they did a brilliant, <laughs> they did a brilliant version of, like a very slow version. Um, there's a band called The Cardigans, who was just like this girl. Oh, the Cardigans, yeah. Yeah, they've done a cover. There's a, there's a brilliant cover of Don't Believe a Word by a band called, I think they're called Space Elevator. I've just seen it on YouTube a few times. Uh, it's a girl singer, just absolutely brilliant. And I just think it's cool how they've reached, I think Sade, who, has got to be one of the most boring performers. I actually went to see it once with an old girlfriend because she made me go, and I actually fell asleep during a concert. <laughs> and um, but she does a brilliant version I've heard recently uh, of "Still in Love with You." You know, so nice. yeah, it's that's amazing it. how far they reached. That's the thing, and I think that's one thing about the RMCP was it's a podcast where it was like for the not for the. For not only metalheads with a sense of humor, but metalheads that weren't just metalheads. The people that, that's why it was, it was rock people, and, yeah. it was rock well, and metal. It was, quick you know. little, quick little uh, thing. I, there, I got into, uh, you know, I first heard Ralph and, and Ian because when I was first getting into podcasts and, you know, I didn't really know much about it, I was doing a search for Thin Lizzy and I put in Thin Lizzy reviews or something and their thing came up and it was a thunder and lightning review that they did. Yeah, and that was the first episode I ever heard of their show, and obviously, oh, wow. so obviously I was talking... got you into the R&B. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's how I got into that. So it's fine, and then you didn't find out until subsequently to you know you didn't find out until sub you know later on that um, Ralph and you actually were at, like at a show together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he sent me. I think he he actually yeah tagged me or he emailed it to me or sent. I can't remember that. Yeah, you know, he sent it to me, and uh, yeah, I got the whole video there. It's on YouTube. It's probably on. Yeah. You know, well, definitely it. check it out. Definitely post a lot of that stuff on the page. We're now yeah. to finally get to this thing, and we're going to yeah. start it off, and then what we're going to break is it? Off. Are we into the next day yet? Yeah, we're we're getting into the list now. A lot of build up, but yeah. this is a St. Patrick's Day celebration of Sid right. Lizzy, so. Why shouldn't it be an epic two-parter? Yeah. But this is the thing. But we're going to do some of the lists, so we'll, we'll tease you <laughs> to make you want to listen <laughs> to the second part. But one just last thing I want to say, I want to give a shout-out to the person that put this list together and to explain it to people that don't understand what, how this Top 25 was made is another member of the RMCP Army, Ryan T. Russell. Ryan T. Russell is an awesome guy, and he has done of couple of these before he was doing it for the rock and metal combat podcast and i did a couple i did the van halen one and the the motley crew top 25 motley crew songs which was actually the the great epic awesome reunion episode where ralph and ian got back together again and 
what these lists are is that I don't entirely know how Ryan does it. I think he uses some, he uses some kind of program to do it. Uh, I don't know if it's Excel or something like that, but he, he showed me a screenshot. Uh, but essentially, we each make our own top 25. So, you know, Eric made a top 25. I made a top 25. Steven made a top 25 of our top 25 Thin Lizzy songs. And then I gave it to Ryan. Ryan didn't take part in this because he he's not a huge Thin Lizzy fan. So normally he would take part in doing this because he's, you know, taking the time to make the list. And he's been on the RMCP. And, of course, we will have Ryan on this show at some point, too, when it's a band that he actually is into. But he was like, I'm not really into Thin Lizzy, but... Give me your list and I'll still do it. So he still put in the work for us for free. So thank you so much, Ryan. Thank so you, Ryan. He takes these three lists and then he calculates it, like percentage-wise, like which song did we all put on our list and which ones were the highest. And, and he figures it all out with the help, I think, of this program. He kind of figures out scientifically or mathematically, figures out uh, what the top 25 is based on our three lists so that's why it's kind of surprising to some of us and like steven's like hey well this doesn't seem like mine well it is partially yours it's like it's partially all of ours it's all our lists essentially combined to kind of figure out what songs like i'll tell you like the for example the number one song was low on my list it was number 25 it just just slipped in there but because it was on all of our lists Obviously, that's the thing, and that's because Thin Lizzy is so diverse that it's funny because when I looked at our, our three lists, I thought our three <laughs> lists are all radically different from one another. There were a couple songs that did pop up that were on all our lists, so I immediately knew, yeah, those songs will be on, on the list. But they were really radically different, and the only thing that seemed to be common was, like, I think we all... None of us had anything before, I think, Nightlife, and yeah. I don't think any of us had anything from Chinatown. I did. Uh, you I did. had some stuff from Chinatown. I'm, I did. Okay. Okay, Spoiler I'm, alert, there's nothing from Chinatown on the goddamn list, and I'm, okay. I'm upset about that. I'm, okay. I'm the asshole here, then. All right, I'm the, I'm the reason why there's nothing on Chinatown on this list, because I had nothing on China, from Chinatown on this list. I like Chinatown. I think it's a good album. I do think it's the weakest from their classic period. I consider their classic period. Some people would start fighting. I would start nightlife. I think nightlife to thunder and lightning. That I call. I consider that the classic period. Um, Vagabonds is a good album, but to me, it's nightlife is where it begins. You know, and yeah. it ends with the, that them becoming a quartet. You know, that double. You know, dual guitar trademark sound you know and that even though that's a very eclectic album where they didn't really get their sound down like they did on fighting i do think nightlife is still the beginning of classic thin lizzie i mean would you consider that Stephen? oh yeah it's a great it's a great album um it's a bit patchy actually but it's still a great album but yeah you, I mean, you can definitely there's definitely stuff in there where you're like okay i see where they're going and yeah 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 yeah, they def- yeah, it definitely is the beginning. Like, they, yeah, it might not be represented. Like, the whole album is not that classic Thin Lizzy sound. It's very diverse, and they haven't totally found it yet. But there are a couple songs, one of which might be on this list, that definitely <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's it. That's where they're becoming Thin Lizzy. And obviously, on the next album, uh, Fighting is where they really 
like they they figured it out like this is our sound and that's like where it yeah. begins. But even then they were still a very diverse band. But they definitely fighting in Jailbreak is definitely where they solidified what their sound was and kind of kept that going until I say Renegade where they kind of started experimenting again. And that's it's a uh, I mean. Yeah, so 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 this is funny. So we create these three lists. They're all very different, but that's the thing about Thin Lizzy because they're so eclectic and have so many different songs. And every list I looked was a great list. I looked at the list and went, "Yeah, this is all good. This is all good." This yeah, is there's all no good. wrong. There's no wrong. Yeah. Of- so it's interesting. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously we're we're real fans. You know, we're hardcore fans now. So <laughs> there is a lot of deep tracks. You know, it's not just the greatest hits. Although there are some big hits on this list as well. So, yeah, so you'll get a little bit of both. You'll get a few big hits, but it's mainly deep tracks. But, God damn it, if you're listening to a two-part Thin Lizzy Top 25 <laughs> episode, I'm, I'm taking a guess that you, you want to hear about deep tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking A. Well, so, what is that first deep track, Edwin? What is number 25? Just to drag this out more, we <laughs> actually got a tie. <laughs> I, I was going to say, you know, I wanted to mention that. I didn't know if that was a typo or if it was like a tie. It's a fucking tie. Okay, cool. We're okay, lucky I was wondering that about that. the only tie. Yeah, Ryan said, uh, there's kind of an issue with 25. It's a tie. <laughs> Because I don't know, so I like I don't understand the math. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not math, I'm not a mathematician. I failed math class twice. I don't know how I got diploma. I always <laughs> did. Well, I, I got like I forget which side of your brain it is, but like you know, there's the side that's like more creative and writing and reading and music. Like I got that side in spades, but when it comes to like math and science, uh, that side of my brain's kind of fuzzy. I'm not too good. It's kind of MIA. <laughs> yeah, I'm not good Same. at that stuff. But whatever, the way he figured it out. That there was no way around a tie here. So yes, we. But don't worry. This is the only time that there's a tie. After number twenty-five, it's all definitive. But these yes. are great songs. So why not make it a fucking tie? Yeah. So the tie at number twenty-five is Wild One, and also Romeo and the Lonely Girl. I guess uh, let's start off with talking about Wild One, um, because it's more, I don't know, classically Thin Lizzy sounding, so I think it'd be a good song to start off with the list. Nice. So, so let's start with Wild One. Uh, Wild One is definitely on the list because of me. It was very high on the list, uh, on my list, and I love, to me, this is, I'll say this, this has that classic kind of sound where Phil, in with the, especially with the, the dual guitar lines, this is where they, they bring in kind of the, I would say Celtic or the, the Irish kind of jig sound. You know, which of course they made very famous with Whiskey in the Jar, their cover, which was a traditional Irish folk song that they, I feel their version is the definitive version of that song. I hate I mean, that Metallica version. But, you I know, but Metallica is covering the Thin Lizzy version. They're not covering the traditional yeah. Irish song. You oh, know? yeah. That's, yeah. So that's the thing. It's that guitar line. That's that guitar line. And I'm sure this, you know, you know, that Stephen will have a few things to say about this because you know that is Scott, you know Gorham and Brian Robertson. You know they they created this classic guitar sound with the dual uh, guitar lines, and that's and that's you could tell like Wild One is them kind of doing an original like they're doing essentially Whiskey in the Jar again. It's like Whiskey in the Jar Part Two, but I prefer it to Whiskey in the Jar. I think it's a deeper song that verses fills vocals. It's it's a beautiful, it's it's like, this is the thing, it's like, and this is a very Thin Lizzy kind of thing, and it's something that's so unique to how 
Phil, you know, Phil's approach to music is that something could kind of be almost like a ballad and a rock song at the same time. If you know oh, you just, stole, you just stole my thunder. I was <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Stephen. But yeah, that's the thing. It's because like Wild One, it's like it's weird. It's like both a ballad and a rocker at the same time, and it's it's wistful and ragged at the same time, and it's it's like it's 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 about a wild guy, you know, but. It's got pathos to it and heart and soul. And we'll talk a little more about this in some later songs, too. This uh, soul influence that I think Phil brought to the band as well. But, yeah, Wild Ones is, to me, it's a it's an anthem. It's one of their best songs. Uh, it's a classic. It was on that Greatest Hits that I had. And it was cool. one of my favorite songs on the Greatest Hits. And it's still, it's still, it's one of my favorite Thin Lizzy songs. And I think it's a classic. So what do you think of uh, Wild Ones, Stephen? Uh, well, first of all, it is not on my top twenty-five. Um, <laughs> but I, but again, if you would have asked me to do the list today, it could very well have been. It's a brilliant song, and I was going to say exactly what you like. It's a ballad, but it's rock at the same time. And I think a lot of that is, is you know, the, the, the harmony guitars in there. That is just you. It's not unique. I mean, I believe I don't know any songs by Wishbone Ash, but I know that a lot of people compare Wishbone Ash sound. To Lizzie and maybe say Lizzie maybe kind of got some ideas from them um, but also I, you're going to hear this a lot from me throughout this uh, thing but when people talk about Lizzie it's always about the, 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 the guitars, the, the harmony guitars, the dual guitars, all that kind of stuff but Brian Downey holy crap that guy is so underrated and agreed the, even in this song it's Phil's I don't. I think that's what beats it up. It's not just because the guy's incredible. I mean, he just. I've seen Lizzie, you know, with not the real Lizzie, but you know, with with Tommy Aldridge on drums, and it's like it just is not the same. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a swing and a swag yep. to Brian Downey, and he brings that. He does it to this song too. It's not just a simple beat. He he really gives it all, and there's a lot of songs where he steals the show, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and so yeah, this is a it's a great song. It's a great introduction to them. It's also misleading because if you like, if this is the only song you've ever heard of Lizzie, you're going to get shot, you know. Uh, if you yeah. hear other stuff, but I guess you could say that about any Lizzie song that you hear um, by itself. But um, yeah, great song, great vocals. I love Phil's vocals. Like they're just he's so smooth. That's yeah. you know like oh my yeah. god, that guy's vocals just brilliant I and you know it's a funny thing I think he's a great bass player too he's not look he's not Geddy Lee or whatever you know but I um, when I was talking to his mother that time she told me that he was very insecure about his bass playing which I just find so bizarre because again he's not you know he's not a virtuoso but Oh, there's some songs with the bass lines that he comes up with are just fantastic. You know, I think he's an amazing bass player. Uh, yeah, I do so too, but, man. But I think, I, I, I think he brings a lot of that R and he kind of brings a soul and R and B element exactly. with the bass too. But, but I think this goes back to the same thing with Brian Downey. When people think of Lizzie, they think of Gary Moore, they think of Scott and and, um, and Robertson, and then think of John Sykes, and that is the main focus on a lot of rock yeah. fans. And I think that. Lizzie's, you know, the bass playing and, and, and Downey, and bear in mind, you know, that is one hell of a rhythm section. Downey and, and Leonard together, just incredible. So, yeah, on, on, on this song, you know, I'm thinking in my head now how the song goes and, and, and the drumming. And it, it, 
just down. He just makes a lot of Lizzie songs, and this is one of those uh, examples, you know. So great song, not on my top twenty-five this time. It's funny because I posted my top twenty-five in a Lizzie group just yeah. to see the reaction. <laughs> First of all, it's like going into a kiss room with some of those people. <laughs> they're like, it's, you know, they're like, that nah, you haven't got this song on it, so it's ridiculous. And and that's your number one. What the hell's wrong with you? I'm like. Calm the fuck down, you yeah, moron. It's just my you opinion, know? motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> There's no wrong answers. They're all fucking yeah. songs. So, um, yeah, but great, great song from a great album. And it's a great introduction to Lizzie. It's it's just one of an example of how, you know, vast they are in their different styles. Uh, different I, I love how Steven said he wasn't going to have anything to say about these albums. And we're still like, <laughs> oh, we're still like, <laughs> five. <laughs> <laughs> and Eric hasn't even talked about Wild One. Alright, God, next. Alright. So, Eric, what do you think of Wild One? Oh, man. Uh, really great song, and, and both you guys, too. I mean, took my uh, whole thing about uh, it's like it's a rocker, but it's like a ballad at the same time. Like, it's so beautiful and melancholy, but it's got that guitar sound in there that's still like, it'll appeal to the rock fans. And, uh, man, it's just like. One thing I like about Phil is, like, he can just tell a story with his lyrics. You know, just his, his storytelling style of lyrics. And also, too, like, you know, all these songs could be about one thing. But, like, you know, when you listen to it, you can always interpret it in your own way. Um, and for me, like, wow, one, it's almost like, you know, makes you think of, like, maybe someone, you know, you meet that, you know, when you're young and you're wild and you meet that, you know, you meet that one girl that's the right girl, but it's at the wrong time or someone, you know, like, oh, man, I met this great girl, but like, it's just it's the wrong time for me because I'm still wild. I'm on I'm on the loose. And that's kind of what I think about with Wild One is that classic story of that wild, rebellious man that meets the perfect girl, but he's still just, you know, he's not ready to be, you know, he's not ready to be like, you know, chained down yet, you know, and just man, just amazing fucking song and i love the solo in it too it's almost like a it has like a fluttering sound like a flying sound almost to it and yeah. just great i love oh, robo and uh i love robo and scott gore man on those twin guitars and the one thing i like though is and i think the one thing too that people like maybe don't care for is when people think twin guitars nowadays they think of judas priest they think of iron man that metal you know, sound, whereas Thin Lizzy are a little bit more diverse. Yeah, they can do some pretty heavy-sounding twin guitars, but they can also do, like, twin guitars, but, like, more mellow-sounding. They can make it work with, like, a ballad song or, like, a softer song. It's you know, a little to... jazzy. Exactly, yeah. yeah, and I think that's where a lot of people are like, oh, this ain't twin guitars. They're, they're you know, they hear twin guitars, they're thinking, you know, Denner and Sherman or Downing and, uh, you know, K.K. Downing and Glenn Tipton or Smith and Murray, you know, and they don't realize, you know, that twin guitar sound can work in so many different ways besides just metal. And it's just a beautiful song, man. And uh, I, I guess I'll go into uh, the, the next track, which, you know, is also 25, um, Romeo and the Lonely Girl. And I'm trying to remember, I don't think this one made my list. But it's an amazing song, so it it goes to show you how great Thin Lizzy are as like you know with their discography and the fact that a song that I think is absolutely perfect didn't even make my top twenty five. I, I love this song, man, and uh, this is one that uh, I remember hearing a lot because my mom had the the Jailbreak album. That was the only Thin Lizzy album she had, 
and this song is just fucking beautiful and uh just the how poetic those uh lyrics are by Phil Lynott, you know, just you know, about like a tragic love story, you know, and uh beautiful solo by Scott. I think this is probably this is definitely one of Scott's like, you know, probably top five solos. It's just so beautiful, so melodic. Uh great song and you know, like the things like, you know, uh you know, the way, you know, the way Phil Lynott says Romeo, you know, the way he says Romeo, uh, uh, Lonelyo or whatever. Yeah. You know, the way he says that, like, if any other music artist, like if Brett Michaels or someone, you know, tried singing that lyric, it would sound corny and stupid. But Phil Lynott's just so cool. He's so badass. He's so cool. He could pull that off. He's got the personality to do it, you know, and, uh. You know, he, he's cooler than the other side of the fucking pillow, man. He he can pull off a lyric like that. He can make it sound cool. He he can take a otherwise corny sounding lyric like that and just make it sound amazing. It's, this is a beautiful fucking song. Uh, what, what do you think of it, Edwin, while I go use the bathroom? Uh, it's, a, it's a really great song. That's the thing. This was not on my list, and I, it wasn't even a song I thought about. Like, I don't even know if this would... It definitely wouldn't make my top 30, let's just say that. But, you know, I when I saw it on the list, I was like, yeah, that's a great song. That's the thing. And that's the sign of a truly great band. Like, to be honest, hey, I love those first two Motley Crue albums. But when we were getting... When we were creating, like, the top 25, but the, the top 20, they were all songs I loved. But by the time we were getting to, like, 23, 24, like, suddenly I was just picking songs that I thought were, like, it's all right, it doesn't suck. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, like, started grabbing some songs that were just all right. Like, okay, th- this song's all right, I guess I'll put this in. So, uh, whereas Thin Lizzy, it, it was a difficult list to make. I know you, you had a lot of problems with it, Steven. It was, like, it was just a hard list to make, and that tells you it's a really great band. And yeah, I mean, the first couple songs, like my, like, like you, like the first three or five songs were like instantly came to me. But then I had to really, really dig deep to think what I was going to, you know, choose. And there was just so much, you know, and like you could be 50 songs in to a list of Thin Lizzy songs and you're still like great songs, you know, before you would get to just all oh, this song's all right. I mean, to be honest, with maybe the exception of one or two songs, I don't really think that there's anything in, um, from their classic album period. Like, and even Chinatown, I think is their weakest album from that period. But I don't think there's anything bad on Chinatown. It has a lot of good songs and a couple great songs. So even though that nothing made the list, like if something from Chinatown was on this list, it wouldn't have bothered me. You know, that's the thing. Like, and this song definitely doesn't bother me. It's a great song. This is exactly the kind of song though, that headbangers, that would make headbangers not like Thin Lizzy. You know, and wrote me on the lonely girl. This is like that Springsteen kind of Seeger, Seeger kind of side that he had, and obviously they even uh, covered a Bob Seeger song, so he was a fan. And and yeah, if you don't like that kind of rootsy kind of more rock and roll stuff, uh, and this is kind of I, this is another song that even though very different from Wild One and not quite as wistful or haunting in my opinion, but it's still kind of a, a ballad, but yet kind of a rock song. It's another. It's just kind of a pop song. It's just kind of a Thin Lizzy pop song, very unique. And that's why a lot of these songs are going to be hard to describe sometimes because they just sound like Thin Lizzy songs. But even saying a Thin Lizzy song 
doesn't mean it sounds like one thing. You know what I mean? It's but it's just a it's just a it's just a it's an uplifting kind of song, and that's the thing about a lot of Thin Lizzy songs is they just they kind of make you feel good to listen to, and, yeah. kind of, and it's kind of like some classic Seeger or Creedence Clearwater Revival or the Beatles, where it's just kind of like just ear candy, and it's just like it's just a song that makes you feel like it feels like a Saturday night, you know? And I agree. It's that kind of song. So, what do you think of it, Stephen? Yeah, actually, this is on my twenty-five list. This is number seven for me. This is way up there. Um, right on. I love. Uh, it's just a beautiful song. It's typical Phil uh, in the sense of, you know, lost love, that kind of stuff. And the lyrics are great. He's an amazing lyricist, which we all know. And uh, the lyrics on this song, they're, just, they're fun, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's about a guy who basically wants a girl and she goes off. To, you know, I guess she goes with somebody else, and he's, you know, he's lost out again. And. Uh, some of the stuff I've heard reviews before on, on, on this song specifically and they're like, you know, when he's singing, oh, for Romeo and, and he's like, they're like, oh, it's so corny, like you were saying, Eric, but it's really not when you listen to the way he does it because yeah. he's, he's just so smooth with it. And also remember, it was, it's 1976, you know, this isn't today. Now, maybe if they came out with it on a new album today, maybe people like, oh, I don't know, but it's such a classic song. The guitar solos are just... The guitar, you're right, it's just beautiful in this song. Um, you know, Jailbreak is my number one album, always has been and always will be. Um, when the Boys Are Back in Town is the worst, I wouldn't say the worst, is the weakest song on an album. <laughs> it's a hell of an album, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And um, But this, this song is a very good example of why Lizzie are just so great to me, is that there's, there's, there isn't another song like you know you've got you've got this next to Emerald you know I mean it just doesn't make sense uh, really but yeah yeah but, but yeah it works yeah and, and that's um, a, that's a good yeah. segue because the next well just uh, next song's also from Jailbreak and that's 24 Fight or Fall uh, what do you think of this song Stephen oh God they, okay this is number six on my list <laughs> yeah uh, I love this song. Um, when I'm in like a mellow, I, I have um, a playlist, uh, two Lizzie playlists. One is just kind of everything. And then I have a playlist of all like the slow songs. And sometimes I have to be out early and I'm driving at like six in the morning and I'm not, you know, I don't want to listen to Motorhead at six in the morning. So I'll put on, <laughs> I'll put on uh, this Lizzie playlist. And this song, I think this song has got one of my favorite solos in it. And it's such a simple solo. Um, I don't know if you can kind of, hear the solo and you, you know if you know what I'm talking about but it's yeah. just such a oh my god it's it's just a relaxing song uh, the chorus uh, is just amazing and um, when they're singing brother brother and that you know brother brother yeah. and you've got like the guitar just in the back it's just a beautiful song um, and you know when I was younger and, and I was into Lizzie when I was younger I didn't I always loved these songs, but I was never as into them. It was always more like, yeah, Jailbreak and Boys Are Back in Town and Emerald and Warriors. But like, as I've gotten older and mellowed out more, the yeah. mellower songs are definitely more coming to the front. And I'm, and, and also, you know, I play a little bit of guitar now. So it's like, I hear things that I maybe when I was 13 or 14, I didn't hear, you know? Um, but this is just, like I said, number seven for me. Um, just a fantastic song. It's just mellow and, Gorgeous, beautiful song. Yeah, I'll take it next. And this, I admit, uh, Jailbreak 
is, and I do love the album, and, you know, I got it on vinyl, and I listen to it from time to time. I probably don't listen to it quite as much as some of the other albums, maybe because there is a little burnout factor from, because uh, it has their most, you know, most of their hits are from that album. So Same. because of that, I don't listen to it as much, and that's why, so you definitely helped Jailbreak be represented, Stephen, on this list, because both me and... Uh, uh, Eric didn't have it quite as much. But there's uh, so many so deep cuts on this. But that's the thing. And you know what? You mm-hmm. kind of like this song, for example. I probably would put it on the list now if I did it. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to this and I was just like, wow, this is such a beautiful song. It's such an amazing song. And it's jivey, too. And that's one thing that we're getting at about how Phil sings. Very underrated vocalist. Kind of like, even though I think he's actually a little bit better, but uh, similar to Jimi Hendrix who I also think is, to a degree, an underrated vocalist as well. Obviously, he's not an underrated guitarist, but he's an underrated, I think, songwriter and vocalist. Because Jimmy had this just real natural, cool way of singing, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, this is the thing, and I know that he himself, I'm sure Phil wouldn't want to be pegged as a certain kind of artist, like just be thought of as like a black artist. But you can't separate his identity, both as an Irishman, but also as a black man, you know, that it does dictate how he approaches music. And it's one of the things that makes Thin Lizzy very unique. And and this is where I want to talk a little bit about the soul influence. Like, this is a thing, because, like, he doesn't really do ballads the way that a white person would do ballads. You know, it's just one of the yeah. things that makes Thin Lizzy different. You mean, and, like, time for change? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate white boy ballad. <laughs> yeah, he, there's, it's, he doesn't, like, they don't sound like rock ballads. They kind of, like, a song like this, to me, sounds like a soul song, you know? And, and, sorry if you hear some, uh, city sounds behind <laughs> me. I'm in, the, I'm in Los Angeles, but, you know, the music might drown it out. So anyway, so if I, of course it would have to be during a quiet song that there's a goddamn horn blaring behind me. <laughs> but anyway, the song, it's just like, it's a soul song. That's the thing to me, and I don't know how many of our listeners love soul, but I love soul. I love a lot of that old stuff and Otis Redding, and and you know that's I listen to this and I hear Wilson Pickett and I hear Otis Redding and you know and Sam Cooke. That this sounds like as a young boy he was listening to that music as well as rock and roll, and that's where it expresses. And just like when he's singing at the end, you know, brother, brother, like that's that's like stuff from like a late '60s like Temptation song, you know. And that soul influence, I definitely I don't hear that get it doesn't get discussed a lot when people are talking about Thin Lizzy, but I hear it in a lot, especially a song like this. This is a soul song. It's a beautiful soul song. But again. Because he's such a unique guy, and and that's the thing, is he was mixed race. So as a result, he's a little different than how a black musician would do it, too. You know, that's the thing, you know, and that's where he's closest to, like, you know, he's, like I say, he's kind of like Prince. He's this this idiosyncratic, eccentric guy that's a little offbeat, like, and that's why he always felt like the outsider, you know, an outlaw. Because, you know, he was in, he was a, a mixed race guy in Ireland. You know, and it's, and I'm sure he had to deal with a lot of racism and a lot of bullshit and just and and yet like probably from both sides. Like Jimi Hendrix used to get this a lot, too. Like whereas Jimi Hendrix was a black guy that did rock music. There were a lot of black artists that like said, what are you doing playing white boy music? You know, and like so like it's like you're an out like 
you're just an outsider no matter where you're at, you know? He's like going to be too black for white people, too white for black people. And he, but it gave him such a unique voice as an artist. And that's the thing. And that's why Thin Lizzy is, some songs are just purely, they're just Bill songs. They're just Thin Lizzy songs. They're just like, no one else would really write a song that straddled the line between a rock ballad and a soul song the way that Phil would write it. And it's because of his, you know, identity and who he was and his background that it's just it makes it for a very unique ex- listening experience and there's nothing else like it it's just but i'd call it this is a thin lizzy a very unique thin lizzy soul song it's a beautiful song i love it i find it very moving and jivey and cool all up at the same time what do you think of it eric oh man you know it's it's cool you mentioned mentioned about uh you know him and Hendrix, because there's definitely a lot of comparisons I'm going to make to him and Hendrix, but his style of singing, you know, and the fact that, you know, it's very unique, you know, it's very soulful, but also he's got that, you know, because he has a storytelling way of, like, you know, saying of his lyric writing, you know, it's very storytelling, um, and so he's got, like, a very unique sounding voice. Uh, now, this one, uh, God, I must sound like an asshole. This one, I'm much like how Steven was when he was younger, and that's because there's still a lot of, like, deep tracks with Thin Lizzy that I, I still haven't listened to enough of to really absorb. This one's still, it's not a bad song, obviously, but uh, there's some that's missing from it. There's some that still doesn't grab me with this song yet. Again, not a bad song. Lyrically, it's really great. It's really soulful, and there's a lot of parts I do like, but there's still... It's it's like missing something, and maybe that's just because I haven't absorbed it enough. Um, much like Edwin, I don't, you know, the Jailbreak album is one I don't listen to quite as much. I think that's because my mom had that album, and then also too, it's got a lot of the hits on there, so it's kind of a burnout factor. But this is definitely one. Maybe down the road, I could see this being like in a top twenty-five. But for right now, it's still one that's like I still haven't fully grasped yet. It, it, it's a grower. Song. I was a little like that. It, it, it's, it's a grower. Subtle, it's a subtle song, and that's it takes a while. Subtle songs or songs like that, they do yeah. take a while. But it definitely clicked for me this week. It was this week after looking at the list and seeing that this was on the definitive list, I start listening to to it. That suddenly the song really clicked for me. Yeah, and found it really moving. And there's like, like I said, there's parts of it that I do like, but there's still parts of it that I just don't get yet. And maybe it's just. Maybe I'll get it, maybe I won't, but, you know, it's definitely a song I, I'm not as familiar with with Lizzie, and maybe I just need more time. Like, you know, Steven even said he didn't he didn't get this song at first, you know, it yeah. wasn't one of his favorites at first, so. Not one of my favorites, not one of my tw- uh, top uh, 25, but uh, it's not a bad song, though, and that just goes to show even a song that didn't make my top 25, and one that I'm not particularly crazy about, is still a decent song, there's still a lot of great things to take away from it. And just goes to show how great Thin Lizzy is. So, uh, well, and we're going to keep this conversation going with the Jailbreak album because it's another, it's another, another song. Jailbreak album, another uh, Jailbreak. Song. Yeah. So this was probably very high on Steven's list, and that's what got it on. Uh, obviously, this, uh, this, this song, it's funny. I this is not a song that I even considered or thought about, but yet as soon as I saw it on the list, I was like, yeah, that song's awesome. It kicks ass. I love this song, <laughs> and that is Warriors. Warriors. Now, this is like uh, Stephen was talking about. Like, you know, this is the rocking side. This is the me- this is the I call this heavy metal. What people would consider heavy metal in the mid seventies. You know, this is definitely that side. And you know, it has a lot of these elements. It's heavy. It's it kind of ga- 
gallops a little bit. And and even the, the topic, you know, it's about you know it's about warriors and the lyrics and yeah, I consider this heavy metal song has that really cool effect on Phil's voice, and there's a lot of cool guitar effects and it, this song kicks ass. Uh, it's I, I would say this is probably one of the more well known deep tracks from you know Jailbreak. I mean because you know it, you know they would play it live and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so, so but this this is great. This is one of it's one of my favorite songs from the Jailbreak album. And I am glad to see it on the list, even though I didn't put it on my list. But again, that just shows you how many great songs Thin Lizzy has. But yeah, this song's it's I consider this a, a Thin Lizzy classic and it should be and it's rocking. And yeah, now this like my friend didn't get the boogie woogie side or the soul side. He would my metal, you know, my uh, hard rock, eternal rock, you know, metal head friend. <laughs> he, he could like a song like this, I'm sure, you know, so th- this is a song that definitely could appeal to the metalheads and it's yeah. a great song and what do you think about it eric oh man uh this song fucking rules man this is one that you know obviously it's a you know me being a metalhead you know this is like this is a song that didn't take me long to get into at all <laughs> it fucking rules um and the fact that this song was never included on the warriors uh you know the movie the warriors soundtrack is a crime because this song fucking kicks ass and will fit perfectly in that movie I could see this being played while the you know the warriors are running away from one of the rival gangs trying to kill them while they're like on their way trying to just get back to Coney Island. Uh, it's a cool song, man. Phil sounds like a total fucking badass on this. Like he sounds like you know the leader of you know one of the gangs like on the radio during the Warriors movie, like you know talking to him, like you know saying he's gonna hum down and whatnot. He just sounds like a total badass on this song. An amazing solo by fucking Robbo. I love his solo, and then I love that little kind of almost like breakdown at the end, towards the end of the song where it kind of slows down, and you hear that like real creepy sounding choir in it. Fucking amazing! That shit just when I hear that choir, man, it just sends chills up my spine. This song fucking rules. Uh, what do you think about it, Steven? Uh, well, this was number five on my list, so this is this is way up there. Um, I have very good memories about this song specifically because. When I was younger, I, um, I you know, I had the Live and Dangerous um, VHS, you know, on cassette, uh, and I used to watch the video of it all the time. And this song, first of all, this song is amazing. Brian Downey is incredible in this song. This is another one of those examples where, you know, like in Bad Reputation, where there's breaks with drumming in it, um, you know, little sections of the drumming. I love where it quietens down and then the guitars come back in again and. and you know, and and I have uh, a mental picture of on that. Have you seen the Live and Dangerous video, the live album? Uh, the video? I've seen clips of some of the performances, but I haven't seen like the whole. Well, the whole, ha- well, the whole concert the whole was pro shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The oh, whole I didn't thing. know that actually. I used oh, to I own it. Um, you know, I think you can still buy it, but maybe on eBay and whatever. But um, on this song. They have the two, the monitors at the front of the stage, like they have Phil's mic in the middle and then a, a monitor on each side. And I always have this, it was just the coolest thing to me, like Phil was singing and then Brian and, you know, Robbo and, and, and Scott would step up and step onto the monitors. So they're like slightly raised. And when, you know how it goes real quiet and then it breaks back into the guitar. Dun, and then and that is the mental picture as a kid into this day when i hear that song my mind goes to that picture of them stepping up onto the uh onto the monitors and uh just going into that and this and again brian downey 
I mean, as good as the guitar solos are in this thing, I, I watched a YouTube video of uh, a cover of this song, but it was a drum cover. And it was just basically, you know, someone at home with a camera on his drum kit and uh, playing along to this. you got to watch it. I mean, this is an amazing uh, drumming song for Brian Downey. Just an absolutely brilliant, brilliant song. That's why it's number five for me. Yeah, it's rock. It's, if someone's into hard rock and they want to listen to a rock Lizzie song, this is just a, a classic one to go to. So, yeah, brilliant song. Number five, awesome song for me. All right. It's funny because the way that this worked... Uh... Yeah, uh, the way that this list worked, like we said, it was all three of our lists. It's interesting because the, the first half of the list will be songs that maybe one of us put really high. Like, you know, it wasn't all three of us that put the song on the list. That's what we're getting yeah. now. Like, we just had this wave of songs that it's because Steven loved them so much. They got they were very high on his list. <laughs> and and like the, the top, uh, like the t- when we get into the top ten, then you're going to be getting into songs that we all like for the most part put on the list at some point at some you know ranking so if like two of us ranked it really high but one didn't rank it high but put it on the list still that that's probably going to be like a top 10 song so that's like how that works out but it's funny so we just like finished the uh the the steven jailbreak suite you know three songs and now we're getting into like three songs that i know are on this list mainly because of me <laughs> uh so so we're getting into those songs now and this, this is. I'm going to talk about it now. I'm just going to say that I discovered that Fighting was my favorite Thin Lizzy album because Good I album. put I put a lot of songs from Fighting on it on my list, and a lot of them are high. A lot of them are in my top ten. And then that, I was like, it's funny because there have been times where I said Fighting was my favorite album, but other times, sometimes I go Black Rose. Sometimes I say Johnny, you know, and the Fox. Sometimes I say uh, Thunder and Lightning. You know, I've kind of bounced a lot around those albums, usually. And there's even been offbeat times where I really was just, like, vibing with Nightlife, you know? So, uh, when I was really embracing the eclecticism of that album. But, all in all, I gotta say, Fighting is my favorite album. So, uh, I, And I discovered that because so many songs from Fighting made this list. And this song was very high on my list, and that's number 22, Spirit Slips Away. Oh my god. I love this song. This song, this just broke my top five. This was my fifth favorite Thin Lizzy song. And it was not hard. This was one of the songs I knew I had to throw in. And such a unique song. God, they do so many different things in this song. It starts off almost doomy. It's almost like a, like kind of doom metal in the beginning. With the dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun. It's like a real dark kind of riff. But then, like a magic trick, it goes back into that that kind of fight or fall side you know it's like a soul ballad it suddenly becomes like a soul ballad and it's very gentle and very wistful and even a little jazzy in both the musicianship and the, the singing and the songs and it and then it goes back to that darker riff again and then goes back and this there's a lot of different shades it might be one of those songs that's kind of subtle that might take you several listens to get into but once you get into the song you realize that this is one of the best examples in my opinion of the genius of Thin Lizzy and Phil's genius and how there could be so many different shades in just one song and yet organic it's not like it doesn't feel like a trick you know like ooh we're, I'm getting kind of heavy here and then kind of light here it's just you feel like you're just traveling through a person's soul you know and it's a very soulful poignant song 
I find it very moving, and I just I, every time I listen to this album, it's definitely one of the high, you know, it's one of the high points for me. I love Spirit Slips Away. What do you think of it, Stephen? Uh, great song, love it. I, I love the mellow side of Thin Lizzy. Like I said, I have a playlist of all like the mellow Lizzy songs, and this this is on there, obviously. But it is a weird song because of what you were saying, like how it starts and it 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 doesn't when you first hear it. It does kind of take a left turn uh, where it's going to go. Uh, beautiful lyrics as well. Just again, Phil's an amazing lyricist. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a great, great song. I mean, yeah, I mean that's really all I've got to say. Yeah, so, I'm, you, you basically covered everything that I would have said. <laughs> yeah. And what do you think, Eric? Of Spirit Slips Away. Oh, Spirit Slips Away is a phenomenal song, and uh, Fighting's a great album. I remember uh, borrowing it from my amazing Uncle Len, may he rest in peace. Uh, he always had some great albums they always let me borrow and, uh, you know, download onto my iTunes, and this is one of them, and uh, I love it, man, because this song, it's like, it's real haunting at the beginning, it's almost like, uh, it's like you just feel like this doomy like ominous present coming towards you but then it changes and it gets real light and airy and it's like musically it almost like it's like it makes you feel like you're like flying or something and this is a song uh from what i've heard is a song about you know death you know so obviously like the beginning's real creepy but then the you know it gets past the intro and it's like you know you're you're flying around in a cloud you know whatever you may believe afterlife wise you know, it's like, you know, like you're in heaven, you're an angel flying around in the clouds, but then also, too, comes back with that doominess. Um, Phil singing in here just is so fucking beautiful. Like, he just, uh, this guy sounds like a fucking angel on this song. Um, great guitar playing, and, uh, I just love that, like, dreaminess of it, you know, when it's the soft part in it, like, you know, they even, like, add some sound effects in it, like, that sound like birds or something. It's just so dreamy. It just makes you feel like you're flying, but then it's got that evil side to it too. You know, almost like Sabbathy kind of riffage in there. Great fucking song, and Edwin, I'm glad this song. I'm glad this song made it on there. So it's a fucking phenomenal song. Awesome, glad you, glad uh, we all dig it. And I think Fighting Like it's a good gateway album. I think if you if if you don't want to just hand a person jailbreak because like they they know half the album because all the hits are from there if you want to kind of give them something that's kind of like the non-hit driven jailbreak i think fighting kind of serves that purpose you know i think that's a it's a good album to play people to get an idea of what thin lizzie's all about you know it's where they really got their sound down and it's essentially it's the jailbreak before jailbreak you know that's how i listen to that album so um so just a shout out to fighting in general but then uh here's another song from fighting which is also on the list because of me. Uh, number <laughs> 21 is For Those Who Love to Live. Now, that's a little bit of a tongue twister. I'll also take this one. I'll take lead on this. This was very high on my list. This was my fourth. This was my fourth favorite Thin Lizzy song. Uh, I, this song, God, just... It has the classic, you know, dual lead sound, uh, which, of course, everyone's always going to talk about Thin Lizzy, but it is a big character of their music and such a great tone and to me this is also this sounds like one of those kind of songs that like like there's a bunch of songs like this but obviously uh steve harris and you know iron maiden they were you know was huge hugely influenced by thin lizzy you know along with ufo i think yeah uh but yeah and this sounds kind of like like i can hear maiden doing a cover of this song they would obviously make it a little more metal 
but the, there's something about the guitar harmonies that reminds me of how Iron Maiden does their guitar harmonies, and even kind of the the lyrics a little bit. But yeah, um, but yeah, this song is just it, it's a rocking song, but again has the different shades and and that riff. And to me, it's just it's one of the most beautiful usage of. Of the, the the dueling guitar technique. Everybody say we keep changing what we say. Is it two guitar, dual guitar, twin guitar? I always call it twin guitar. They say the twin guitar. I mean, because what Brian and Scott are doing, it's just like we keep saying it's like floating. It's like fly. It just gives you this feeling of something that's kind of spiritual. Like it's I don't know. They're doing yep. something that doesn't just sound like notes. You know, it's elevated. And this is musicianship at just a, such a high level, but in everything, and you know, Brian Downey's drumming and Phil's vocals, it's just, it's, it's, and it's a song that just sounds like Thin Lizzy. It's pure Thin Lizzy. And every, and it just, I find this song kind of uh, uplifting. I find a lot of Thin Lizzy music uplifting, you know, and this song too. And I just love this song. What do you think of it, Stephen? Uh, it's not on my list, but it is a great song. Um, yeah, it's a be- I, I love. It. I know what you mean. It's very. It is an uplifting song. Lyrics are great. I love the chorus of the song. You know, you got to give a little love to those who love to live. It's just. It's a great. Um, it's a great message as well, really. And um, it's funny though because you know, I, obviously, we can't say what is not on this list from this album because yeah, I, it, we'll, we'll talk about that. There is one. There is one big song. There, there's they have a one, couple big songs, so we're not going to say which one. For me, there's two massive songs on this album that didn't make the 25, and I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah, we'll say, yeah uh, <laughs> so, so we'll, we'll discuss that when the list is done in okay, part two. Okay. At, at the end, we'll discuss the, the, the big song, okay. uh, that or two big songs that did not make this list at gotcha. the end. Because, yeah, <laughs> it's, obviously it's worth talking about, but we'll yeah, say that but, at the end. Because I don't want to spoil what... No, of course, that's what I didn't say. But also, that is a testament to how great Lizzie is and, and how many how difficult it is to pick a top 25 because no well, one I, is ever going to agree I'll be honest like if I made a top 25 motorhead list I as, and I'm not, I wouldn't be doing it just to be counterculture and I love the song and it's a masterpiece but I probably wouldn't put Ace of Spades like well, I, thought, I probably would no, I, I, brought, I, I can't I help but I love I love that song I love that song I get sometimes but there's just so many other Motorhead songs that I love that I just I would put ahead the, the, the problem is when, when we were doing this list or when I was doing this list I had so I must have changed it a million times and there were yeah. so many songs <laughs> if you said what are your next 10 or 15 songs that you could have put on it's all the songs that we've missed off obviously that, that we're all going how could you not have that song yeah. it's just so many that again I could have just, you know, I could have put this song easily in place of another song. I love this song. It's just a, it's a great song from a great album, and it fits. You know, I think Lizzie definitely progressed from fighting, you know, and changed. Didn't change the sound in the sense that they were completely different, but they got better at what they were doing, basically. Um, so then, this is this is a great song. It's very, like you said, it's very uplifting. Uh, it's a feel good song, uh, and the music. Yeah. Maybe not even... I mean, the lyrics, I think, kind of feel good too, but the music is feel good. Like, you know, it makes you want to boogie. Like, it's just... It's cool. Yeah, there's, there's something very... And there's other songs, especially one that's uh, maybe later down on the list. That there's just something very life-affirming about their music, and that's something we talk about, and we'll talk more about it when we get to this other song, which to me is like the ultimate life-affirming song. But, yeah, that's something about Phil's music. It's very... Even though this is a guy 
who always felt like an outsider. You know, he seems like he was like it sounds like from his lyrics anyway, like he's a positive person, like he's trying to make something good come from something bad. You know, and trying to embrace life, and and he's a man that sees the beauty in life, and that's what comes through, and that's what makes him a true artist. And and like it's, it's that no other band would do a song quite like this. Like I said, you could hear the influence on like Maiden and stuff, but they would take it in a different direction. You know, no one would do it like the way Thin Lizzy would do it. Yeah. And uh, you got anything to say about this, Eric? I mean, a lot of what I was gonna say about the song, you guys have already talked about. But it's a great song. Lyrically, it's just so positive. And there's definitely some songs that will get to that, you know, prove, you know, Phil Inot, man, wrote some really, like, uplifting, like, positive lyrics. But I'll get more into that when we get to those songs. But this one's just, it's so fun. It's It's got this, like, real bouncy kind of groove to it. Almost kind of, kind of, like, jazzy, kind of funky. Um, but yep. yeah, it still has that, it still has that hard rocking, like, kind of twin guitar thrown in, so there's so many different flavors in this song. Um, and the big thing that I noticed when I listen to this song is just Brian Downey, uh, Brian Downey's drumming. It's so good, and it's like, ain't like he's like a John Bonham or, you know, a, a Bill Ward, but like his drumming is just so perfect, and, you know, it fits with the song, and you hear it, you feel it, it's just, Phenomenal. He's got, it's just like the swing. He has like the swing, like all throughout the song. It just, it blows me away, man. Very underrated drummer, in my opinion. Very underrated. And I'll, I'll start talking about him. Like, you know, there's some songs on here where I will, you know, really gush about Brian Downey on drums, man. Phenomenal. But great song, man. I love this one. Awesome. Now, I think I'm looking at this and I'm looking at the time and trying to do math as much as I can in my head. I feel like uh, this is part one. I feel like we did part one because, you know, we had all the setup and I don't want to edit out Steven's story. I think Steven's story is great. And I think a lot of Thin Lizzy fans would love to hear it in, in full. So for the most part, I think this would be a good place to stop. And so then part two, which we'll just go Agreed. right into. Yeah, like <laughs> w- like there won't be any... There won't be any, uh, like, you know, iTunes reviews or talking about Pam and Tommy. We're just going to (laughs) go right into it, just so you know. So next week, we're going to do the top 20, all right? Like, so we did, you know, 25 to 21 here. And then next week, we're going to hit, you're going to listen to this, and we're going to hit the ground running, you know, just like like they're doing on the jailbreak cover, you know, just running. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we're going to start with top we're going to start with the 20 and do 20 all the way to one. And then we'll talk about that really big song or two that didn't make the list at the end of that. And that's going to be awesome. And we've got bonus tracks to talk about, too, which we'll explain that when we do the next episode of the Rock All Over You podcast. And, of course, Stephen will be with us for that, too. And we'll be talking and pontificating and gushing over our top 20 favorite Thin Lizzy songs. So stay tuned for next week for the second half of this episode and figure out what our top what is it, 20, top 20 Thin Lizzy songs. Until then, uh, tits and clits. That's my catchphrase. That works. Good enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs>